North Yorkshire Police after the force was given information by officers working on Operation U Tree. He's been released on bail. Jimmy Tarbuck hosted successful variety shows on television from the 1960s to the 1980s. Police in the US state of Ohio say three young women who disappeared about a decade ago have been found alive. Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry and Gina De Jesus went missing between t- 2002 and 2004. They were found in a house in the city of Cleveland and are said to be in good health in hospital. Three people have been arrested. Charles Ramsey, a neighbour who found the women, described what happened. I hear some girls screaming, and I look, and I see this girl, and she's just going nuts on the door. So I'm like, what's your problem? You stuck? Just open the door. And she says, I can't. He got it locked. So we had to kick open the bottom. And she climbed out with her daughter. When the police get here, she says, there's three more girls up there. And they brought two more girls out. Lord Lawson, the former Conservative Chancellor, said he would vote to withdraw from the European Union if a referendum were held. In a newspaper article, he says the nature of the EU has changed and he doubts whether David Cameron will be able to negotiate significant changes to Britain's relationship with Brussels. In sport, Ronnie O'Sullivan has become the first player in 17 years to win back-to-back World Snooker Championships. He's won the title for a fifth time after an 18-12 victory over Barry Hawkins. It was some of the best snooker the Crucible has ever seen, but O'Sullivan insists it wasn't simple as it looked. I wish you could walk in my shoes for a few days. I know it might come across as easy and for trust me I was digging deep and everyone around me knows how hard I've had and had to dig to that but maybe you know watching it back on DVDs and videos and what you're seeing is probably not what I'm feeling so I wish I could feel what you're seeing. The weather mostly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius that's 72 Fahrenheit. There's more news on sports online on bbc.co.uk slash three counties BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news Hey I'll tell you what uh, Cass I'll, I'll walk in a multi-millionaire's shoes for a couple of days I don't mind that. Try it I bet they'd be comfortable. Hey do you want to hear something cute? Always. Uh, so my little uh, boy's 15 he's not uh, 15 months not 15 that'd be weird. Uh, he's, not, <laughs> he's not really speaking right okay mm. but I got this out of him yesterday hang on a second here we go this, it's, um, hang on a second just need to do this right here we go this is my little 15 month old boy there we go (laughs) the first voice is me i should point out right oh hang on a second hang on a second oh dear hang on here we go here we go there we go that's my boy cambridge yes that's and that's not the one that's (laughs) weeing in the garden all the flipping time speak to you later kath bye quack quack got a quack quack out of him Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, after the nonsense of yesterday, and let's be honest, it was complete nonsense. If you missed it, I'd thoroughly recommend you have a little listener iPlayer. You, you won't hear anything like it on the BBC network ever again. Lots of stuff coming up today as the team returns. Uh, some nonsense, as always, and some slightly more serious stuff, and uh, keen to get your thoughts and your views on a lot of this. Well, as you heard in the news, hey, guess what? There's been another shooting in Luton. The 13th this year. This is the story that we reported on yesterday, where a road had been closed off, but we didn't know quite what had gone on. Turns out it was a shooting. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been to the area to find out how people are feeling about gun crime now. Here's a question. At what age should you let children try alcohol? Well, a new campaign is starting in Hertfordshire to encourage parents to talk to kids more about it. At what age did you have your first little um, nip of booze? And if you've got kids or grandkids, when did you let them have their first alcoholic drink? And is there anything wrong in just going to church for weddings, funerals or at Christmas? The Church of England says it's finally seeing a levelling off 
in the long decline in Anglican, Anglican church going. And more of us are going for special occasions. Well, I got married in a church. Not religious in the slightest. I just like the... Well, I say not in the slightest. Vague feelings, but... Pop in there for uh, Greek Easter sometime. Didn't go this weekend, but went last year. When did you last go to church, and why did you go? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are continuing to investigate another shooting in Luton just hours after a peace rally was held to try and end violence in the town. Community leaders held a rally outside the town hall on Sunday in reaction to a spate of stabbings and shootings. Police also sealed off Culverhouse Road on Sunday night after a man on a motorbike shot at a black BMW. The car driver was uninjured. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been to the area. Justin, we talked about this yesterday. Yeah. We didn't quite know the details, did we? No, yesterday morning I was in Culverhouse Road just after 7 o'clock and at that point the road was cordoned off. All I could see was a motorbike lying in the middle of the road. That was next to a taxi. The police were there, a forensic unit as well. Now, that moment yesterday, just after 7 o'clock, the, the police were saying very little. Uh, they certainly weren't confirming it was a shooting. I spoke to one local resident and he told me how shocked he was to wake up to see his road cordoned off. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, it is a shock. Uh, as I said, we never saw anything like this before. I know there were a few been chased, uh, youngsters been in a car and, you know, sort of uh, making run and all that, police chasing and all that. Lately I've been hearing police sirens going quite a few times, helicopters and all that. But mainly on this street, we don't have that much problem as such. Can you just try and describe what the area is like? Um, you've lived here for, for quite some time. You mentioned helicopters and sirens a few times, but on the whole, is it is it quite a good road to live in? It is, yeah. It's, it's a very good road. Yeah, the neighbours, people are pretty good and all that. They look after each other. So it's it's pretty, pretty much... Uh safe. Uh, you know, uh, we never had a problem to be honest. So that was just after 7 o'clock yesterday morning. Bedfordshire Police then confirmed it was a shooting. That was about 9.30 and that's when I spoke to this lady who doesn't wish to be named and she told us exactly what she heard late on Sunday evening. I just heard, I was watching the television, I just heard I thought was, I commented that it was a nice evening and the lads were out driving their cars fast up and down the road which happens and I heard a muffled bang, and I thought it was a car backfiring. And then we heard the helicopter. But we were engrossed in watching the television, so it wasn't until we went to bed that we actually noticed that there was a police car outside. Well, now we know it's a shooting. Just how concerned are you that something like that could happen right on your doorstep? Well, I don't know the circumstances. I'm hoping it's not someone who lives down my street, either who's done the shooting or is a victim i don't know I mean, whether or not it's somebody you know is is probably well i'm very concerned about gun crime in on the whole and has it scared <laughs> you enough that you're now thinking about leaving that road no 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 i wouldn't leave this road i'm sure it's not going to happen here again i'm very happy i've got very pleasant neighbors well, that was Justin speaking to someone lived in the street. Uh, we can speak now to Ruth Carter. She's a mother who attended the peace rally at the weekend with her daughter. Morning, Ruth. Morning. What happened at the peace rally? Well, it was um, organised by the Non-Violence Alliance, and um, you had Pastor Denny, who opened up, Ollie Martins, who spoke, and some other people in the community that spoke. Um, you had a group of young people, which my daughter's in, 
young, gifted and saved, they also spoke about just how they're feeling about the current situation. What prompted you to attend, Ruth? I thought I'd go in support because I didn't know about the Nonviolence Alliance and I didn't know it had started since 2008. But with what's going on recently, I thought I'd go with my children to show support. Do you feel safe in Luton, Ruth? Yeah, I do. At the moment, I do. I still do. 13 gun crimes uh, this year alone. It's terrible. I, I, and the thing is, I actually don't know what it's all about. And I'm, I don't even think they know what it's about. Because it's not happened like this in 2012 and just all of a sudden this year this is happening. But I do want it to stop. Do you think... Uh, listen, I, I, I applaud the peace rally. And of course, anybody, groups of people getting together to, to pass the message of peace is a great message. But do you think it will have any effect... I think it's just a start. Personally, I think the better effect would be for those that are involved in the gun crimes. They have families. It's their families that need to be doing the talking and that. And the community can support after the fact. But I think it needs to be happening within first. Do you think that... Um, that I, I just wonder how much um, their parents or their cousins or their brothers or their sisters know that they're up to do you think that the the, the relatives and families of these um idiots that are running around with guns and knives know what they're actually doing i think some don't and i think some do and i think the ones that do should be able to speak to them especially if it's your own child you must have they must come in your house at some point to have some conversation even if it's to say hi son how are you today what are your plans for today do you know what i mean just the basic simple conversations but i do think that there are some that actually don't know because they're that divided from their own networks so they don't know what's going on someone gets caught with a gun ruth or or caught firing a gun in luton what should happen to them they should suffer the consequences you know legal action should be taken and you know the justice system should do the rest should we be a bit tougher on on people that get caught with guns well yeah i think so that's my just personal opinion. It's a crime. I think if it fits the bill, then they should be done accordingly for it. And finally, Ruth, how does it make you feel? The day of the peace um, uh, rally in Luton, another gun crime. Yeah, no, that's just absolutely pathetic, really, personally. You know, because people are gathering because they're trying to show that enough is enough. That was the whole point of the rally. So, you know, it, obviously on that, it was ignored. But I think it's a start in the right direction. I just don't know who is doing it and what the reasons are behind it. I think a lot of the people in the community would like to know what is actually really going on. Because of taxpayers, we're the ones that are having to live here. And they're the ones just running the street, running amok. Ruth, thank you very much indeed. Ruth Carter, who was a mother who attended the peace rally with her daughter. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Do you feel safe living in Luton?
wine Was as happy as could be Happy as could be Now I'm just like a cat on a haunting roof Baby, what are you thinking? Do it to me Told you once before And I won't tell you no more So get down, get down, get down You're a bad dog, baby But I still want you around, around I still want you around There we go, you see. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Were you at the peace rally on Sunday? Do you think, listen, it's a great idea. Everyone getting together, celebrating peace. Wonderful. Is it actually going to have any effect whatsoever, really, in the great scheme of things? Because the people that need to listen, well, they'd be off getting stoned and laughing, wouldn't they? They would, really, wouldn't they? And cleaning their guns. That's what they'll be doing. Look at those idiots. Huh? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you feel safe living in Luton? Thirteenth gun crime. What's it going to take? Uh, a copper getting shot? A kid getting shot? What's it going to take? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five six fifteen. Oh, he's turned up on time, ladies and gentlemen. Sing hosannas. It's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed, Ian. You're welcome. I, I it's, it's. I, I thank my train driver as well because first train of the day that I get and he turned up on time this morning so I was very happy. M25. At the minute we've got the roadworks of course but no delays. I'm looking at the cameras right now and it's all free flowing as you go through from London Coney past Junction 23 at the A1M and round 25 at the A10 near to Enfield. We're looking pretty good at the minute in Dunstable as well. No A5 delays as yet this morning. Milton Keynes is looking clear. M1's fine on the cameras also. Roadworks not causing delays in Buckingham, it would seem, but we have got two sets of temporary traffic lights. The total roundabout, one on the A413 and one on the A421. Speaking of the trains, looking at the departure boards so far this morning, everything's running to time. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.16, it's where are we now? Tuesday, the 7th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night. A teenager has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. In sport, Ronnie O'Sullivan has become the first player in 17 years to win back-to-back World Snooker Championships. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks mostly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 22 degrees. Coming up before 6.30, at what age should you let children try alcohol? Well, a new campaign is starting in Hertfordshire to encourage parents to talk to kids more about it. When did you first have, uh, when did you have your first drink and what age did you let your kids have their first drink? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Joe Wiley from BBC Radio 2, in the gym with Tom. I'm BBC Radio 6 Music, Steve Lamack, in the garden with Tina. Take BBC Radio with you, whenever and wherever you go, with BBC iPlayer Radio. 
Derbyshire from BBC Radio 5 Live with Ravinder on the way to work. You can listen on your computer, tablet and mobile or download the BBC iPlayer radio app. To start your BBC iPlayer radio journey, go to bbc.co.uk slash threecountiesradio. I think I had my first boozy drink. I seem to remember being about six or seven and having a sip of my dad's beer and not particularly enjoying it. I know that my father-in-law, who is a cardiologist, a very well-respected cardiologist, is constantly offering my three-year-old sips of beer and wine. And we keep having... Peter, stop it! He's three! Well, when did you let your kids first have a drink of alcohol? What age did you have your first little snifter? I seem to remember having my first little sip of beer, about six or seven years old, not particularly liking it. I also used to have proper lager shandies when I was a kid, about seven. Proper lager shandies, bit of lager and a load of lemonade. 
Well, w- when would you give it to your kids? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, according to research, eighty percent of parents and carers would wait until their child was involved with alcohol before even bringing up the subject, and only twenty percent would do so beforehand. Hertfordshire's Alcohol Campaigns Group wants to encourage parents and carers to have the conversation. They say the best time to talk about it is between the ages of 8 and 12 when they're most likely to listen to an adult. Well, joining me now is Dr James Nichols, Research Manager at Alcohol Research UK. They fund research into all aspects of alcohol-related harm. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. How important is it to educate children about alcohol? I think it's, I think it's, it's very important, actually. Um... One of the things that we need to recognise is that children are going to learn about alcohol sooner or later, and if they don't learn about it from their parents, they're going to learn about it from their friends, they're going to learn about it from social media, they're going to learn about it from, uh, from other sources. So I think it's really important that parents get involved in, in, that, in that conversation. Uh, and at what age uh, should we start that conversation? Well, I tend to agree with the, with the report that you, ju- you just cited, that um, although it may sound early... Um, if you get kids when they're between the, the age of 12, for a start, it, it's before they will have been too heavily influenced by other factors. Um, another thing that research tends to show is that the influence of parents on children around these issues does tend to diminish the older they get, which is kind of obvious in some ways. As, as kids become teenagers, they become more their own people. Um, so speaking to them early, I think, is important, and acknowledging that it's there. I think one of the concerns that some parents have is if they start to raise this issue, it will trigger the, the thought in children's minds that this is something to do. But the fact is children are, are, are conscious of alcohol from a pretty early age, and, and, and it's a good thing for parents to be part of, that, part of that discussion. And what's the best way to bring up that conversation? Is it when, you know, mum's having a glass of wine with her Sunday roast, or, or, or do you sit them down one evening? How do you do it? Well, it's difficult. I mean, I, I think, you know... It, it, Parents are different. Parents' relationships with children are different, and there's no single way that you know I, I would I would point to and say you have to do it this way. I think that the point is is is, is to have it in mind as an issue that, that that could crop up at any particular time. I mean, one of the things that you know does influence children is the fact they see us as parents uh, drinking, um, and you know there's probably plenty of opportunities in, in that environment for you know a conversation to be to be started around what's happening when we're having a glass of wine or some beer or whatever else it may be. At what age as well do you think we should give kids their first drink? I say, I'm, I'm sure I had my first sip of beer from my dad's glass when I was about six or seven years old. Looking back, that seems ridiculously early. <laughs> well, it, it's a tricky one. I mean, I, I think I was probably 11 or 12, if, if I remember rightly, when I first had, had a drink. Um, and I think that... We, the, the problem is, is, is that the messages that parents get on this are very mixed. You know, for a long time, we've had this idea that you kind of take this, you know, con- supposedly continental approach of introducing kids to it to alcohol early. The more recent guidance from the chief medical officer um, has been to not give children any alcohol until they're 15. Sorry. Well, there's obviously... They'll be drunk by then, James. Well, this is the thing. There's obviously, there's obviously a difficulty there, which is... On the one hand, being the person who's around when a child has their first drink, which, which in many ways is sensible for parents to be there, um, and avoiding um, getting them kind of drinking too early. Now, it's difficult for a, pa- for a parent, realistically, I think, in many ways, to, to say, well, you're not going to have any alcohol in the home until the age of 15, as you say, knowing what goes on outside of the home. So, what I, I mean, I think one of the, one of the, one of the issues is, is, is that the, the government guidance on this needs to be a lot clearer. They need to be a lot clearer about the research. And I think parents need a better steer on this because I think, you know, I was at a conference not that long ago with with parents 
and a lot of them were saying, we didn't know that we might not meant to give our children alcohol until they're 15. That's, that's terrible. He's been giving them alcohol earlier. Now, they were feeling guilty, but part of the problem is, is not that they'd necessarily done anything wrong, but that they hadn't, there hasn't been enough of a discussion about what the right thing to do is. There's a report in, uh, I think it's the Mail today, from uh, psychologist Dr. Eric Sigmund. He says that studies show that the earlier a child is introduced to drink, the greater their odds of becoming an alcoholic. Th- that sounds a little bit pie in the sky to me. Well, there's, there's, it, it used to, some of the some of the research suggests that the, the the lower the age of a child's first drink, proportionally, the more likely they are to drink more frequently as they get older. Although some of the more recent research from America suggests that actually, what what you should be looking at is the age at which they first get drunk. And if a child gets drunk earlier, right. then they're more likely to, to drink more heavily. So again, there's some there are there are some conflicting messages on this. We always cite the continent as as having the right attitude to alcohol. They're a bit more relaxed. The kids mm. have a glass of wine with with their supper. D- do they really get it so right over there, or is that a slight myth? It's. A, it's a bit. It's a bit of a myth. I mean, I, I always kind of tend to take this myth on because I think it's a bit of an oversimplification. For a start, different countries in the continent have different drinking patterns, and they're not all all the same. Secondly, there's been a convert. There's been a, a rise in 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 in, in the, the kind of uh, binge drinking amongst young people in, in France and other continental countries that that we tend to have here for a long time. But the other issue is, is that in the con, uh, you know. In, countries like france until relatively recently their overall levels of consumption were, were considerably considerably higher than, than ours have been in britain and a lot of the alcohol related harms that have been associated with that have, have been higher as well so there's there's, a, there's if, you, if you think about health issues then continental drinking isn't isn't so ideal because the overall amounts tend to be higher but on the other hand we do certainly have it in britain a long history of accepting drunkenness and of that kind of binge drinking uh, uh, style being being more, more complex and, and I, th- I think what we want to aim for is something in the middle i think what, what we want to av- what we want to avoid and this has been something that i think has been an issue recently is on the one hand we take on a more continental approach of, of drinking more regularly but we still like to get drunk and i think if you combine those two things there is a bit of a problem james thanks very much that's dr james nichols who's a research man- manager at alcohol research uk when did you have your first drink Dear listener, 08459 455 555. And at what age did you, would you, let your kids have a little taste of alcohol? It's funny, the reason I was laughing when James says, oh, you know, one theory would suggest that we um, should let children have their first drink at 15. I remember being sat in a field in Upton Park in Slough, off my nut on a bottle of Thunderbird at the age of 15. Oh, it was horrible. I didn't really... Because a lot of my friends were drinking 13, 14. You talk about binge drinking now. A lot of my friends were drinking at 13, 14. I didn't really drink until 15. And boy, when I, when I did, did I embrace it. Yes, 15, sat in Upton Park, bottle of Thunderbird, thinking, well, I've, dis- I've discovered the meaning of life. So I think it's a little bit late then. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Right, 629, let's go to a man who's never touched a drink in his life, Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. They took the pledge is how they used to describe it, I think. Uh, it's doing pretty decently out there on the roads at the minute. I'm just looking at the M1 on the cameras. As you go past Junction 9 on the London-bound side, it is a little bit slow, but nothing you could call a queue quite yet. It is all at least moving. M25, it's very much the same picture. Not too much traffic anywhere just yet, and the bits that are starting to look busier, they're not really queues because everything is still moving and moving at good speed. Uh, 
going near Tahitra Airport may be a little bit busier on the Spur Road into Terminal 5 if anyone's headed that way this morning. Generally, we're doing fine on the trains as well. I have spotted a couple of cancellations on the departure boards. Looking at Hartford North, there was service coming through towards Stevenage at 7.10. That's been cancelled because a member of the train crew has been, unfortunately, misplaced. And going down toward London, Stevenage to Moorgate service at 7.50 has been cancelled for the same reason. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.13 News and Sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Police in Luton have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night. A teenager's been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. And the comedian Jimmy Tarbuck has been arrested over an allegation of child sex abuse dating back to the 1970s. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ronnie O'Sullivan has become the first player in 17 years to win back-to-back World Snooker Championships. He's won the title for a fifth time after an 18-12 win over Barry Hawkins, as Philip Studd reports. O'Sullivan's skills never cease to amaze. To have retained the title for the first time a year after he became the oldest world champion since Ray Reardon, to have done it following 12 months on the sidelines, and to have pulled it off in such style, takes some believing. O'Sullivan never lost a session. Whenever an opponent produced something good, he came up with something better. It takes two to make a great final, and this was one of the best in living memory. Barry Hawkins' form was a revelation. He couldn't have played much better, but he had the misfortune to be facing surely the greatest snooker player the game has ever seen. In the Premier League, Sunderland came from behind with 10 men to draw one all against Stoke City in the Premier League. The point takes Sunderland up to two places to 15th above Newcastle and Norwich. Manager Paolo Di Canio thought his side deserved more. In the second half, there was only one team, in my opinion. I don't want to exaggerate, but I think we fully deserve not only the point, probably more from this game. I'm very pleased because obviously after the sending off, uh, we were in trouble. Tonight, both FA Cup finalists are in league action with Manchester City hosting West Brom and Wigan at home to Swansea. Both of those games kick off at a quarter to eight. City manager Roberto Mancini can afford to rotate his squad ahead of the Wembley showpiece, but Wigan boss Roberto Martinez is expected to field his strongest side as a victory in his 150th game in charge will lift them out of the relegation zone. Brentford are through to the League One playoff final after beating Swindon on penalties just over a week after they missed one that would have taken them up automatically. They will now play Yeovil Town, who beat Sheffield United 2-1 on aggregate. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. What age did you let your kids have their first little sip of booze? And is it hypocritical to go to church just for weddings, funerals or at Christmas? Well, the Church of England says it's finally seeing a levelling off in the long decline in Anglican church going. And more of us are going for special occasions. I'll be speaking to Canon John Kiddle, Director of Mission in the St Albans Diocese. Diocese, I can never say that word. How do I say diocese? Diocese. Diocese. Is that right? Correct. It sounds wrong in my head now. Diocese, correct. Diocese. Yes. (laughs) Sounds wrong. Another word I can't say is um, analyst. 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 Okay, well, we'll be speaking to Canon John Kiddle a bit later on. He's from St Albans. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Oh, a little bit of Chicago. I don't mind if I do. Thank you very much. Diocese. I got it, you see. It's easy. Everybody needs a 
Three Counties Radio, Chicago, hard to say I'm sorry. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. The Church of England is celebrating this morning after figures show their attendance is levelling off after a long decline in church going, and more of us are going at Christmas. Attendance is up by 14%. There's also been a marked growth in baptisms. But why? I have my suspicions on the baptisms. Get them into good schools. I get them into good schools. My, lots of my friends have done it. Our reporter, Sophie Solari, has been out asking you about your church attendance. Oh dear, that's not asking about the church attendance. Let me just do a little bit of computer magic here. Let's drop that down there. Bish bash bosh. Let's all oh know. Hang on, let, let me do it. Let's grab this. Come here. There we go. Look at that. They'll never notice. I don't know. You just feel blessed. I just feel blessed and um, I feel forgiven on anything. Bad things I've done. You just feel like, oh, I've been forgiven, sort of. 
and um, it's kind of a tradition as well. You know, that's how I grew up. Mm, maybe Christmas, Easter, family occasions, something like that. Yes, it is the only times I go. To be honest, um, I don't really feel the need to go any other time. <laughs> Would you say you're a Christian? Yes. Yes. And you believe in, in my God. heart? I'm Christian. Yeah. I think you know, I can do just as much outside of church as I can in. But it brings a lot to our lives, seriously. There are lots they bring to the table that you don't, you're not aware of. They put it through to you in church. For me, it's about putting yourself out for God and going to a church and worshipping uh, God uh, with fellow Christians and, and putting yourself out for those two or three hours to serve him in that in that building. Why do you think people are going to church more now than they have in the recent years? Well, I would hope that's because the church is more accessible now for people. You know, I'd like to think that's the case, uh, that uh, there's all different types of churches and denominations out there, but uh, I'd like to think, yeah, you know, that church is more accessible and, and friendlier now and more appealing, especially to young people, because getting young people through the doors of churches in 2013, I think, is, is a real challenge. Well, that was Sophie Solaria out and about asking your opinions. You can give me a call 08459 455 555. I've got to say that word again. Here we go. Hang on. <clears throat> With us now to tell us more is Canon John Kittle, Director of Mission in the St Albans Diocese. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ian. I always struggle with the word diocese. Sorry. Why do you think uh, attendance figures have levelled off? Um, I think it's great that this morning to have such encouraging news. I think think there's several reasons, really. One must be that people are finding the need again in their lives for just what Sophie was talking about in her Vox Pop there, for connection with life feeling forgiven and blessed um i love what that person said about something in her heart i I think the other thing is the church is beginning to realize that it needs to do different things that not everybody can get to church on a sunday morning especially um and we're seeing some very exciting growth in things during the week well what things are happening during the week canon um well a lot of things are starting like after school clubs um People offering a chance for children to come with their parents, have some fun, have some food, um, play some games, but also to have time of quiet and prayer and conversation, um, some teaching about the Christian faith. And we're seeing tremendous growth there. Um, I remember there was a. The, where, where I used to live in North London, and a couple of years ago, they opened up a, a, a church. They, they did a, a Sunday services in a local pub. So the pub wasn't right. normally open on a Sunday morning, but yep. they, they, would, uh, they would do it, it, they'd get in there at nine o'clock and they would do the service there. Uh, a church is doing more things like that to encourage, because some people are scared yep. of the actual going to church, aren't they, I think? I think they are. I think we, we have to realise that, um, that those of us who are used to going to church take it all for granted when we get in there, but I think for others, the rituals and just the atmosphere can be um, quite strange. So if we're we've got something to say and something to share if we can do that in a place where people feel at home then all the better is sunday still seen as a holy day because when i was growing up nothing was open on a sunday no and and, and it was it was a very special day even if you weren't religious it was still a peaceful day sundays is like any day of the week now isn't it i think in many ways it is yes you're right and you know a lot of people have to work on a sunday um a lot of people have to go and see family I, i think in some ways that's a pity um, but we have to work with that. Um, and, and I think the important thing is not just that it's Sunday, but that we try to put a bit of rhythm in our lives and try and have one day that's a bit more restful, a bit more um, time to be with those you love. So we're working with that as well. I hate to be cynical, Callum, uh, uh, but yeah, is right. part of the, 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 um, the increase in baptisms uh, simply to get kids 
into better schools. I have a couple of friends that have done that, that have had their children baptised because they want them to go to a, a good school. Right. I mean, of course that might happen. I, I'm, I would have thought it's not so much about baptism because most priests would be quite clear about the commitment that having children baptised entails. Um, and certainly my last parish, we, we had no church school at all, and the baptism was more about... Uh, the connections of life and wanting the child to, to feel blessed and putting it have a good start in life. So I'm not so sure it is. I mean, obviously that must happen in some situations. Uh, and, and finally, listen, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm, not, I'm not religious at all, really. Okay. I got married in a church because I kind of liked the idea. And every now and then, on a Sunday, if I've got a, a spare morning, I'll go to church. Not because t- necessarily to make a, a conscious contact with God, but because I do like... I like the tradition, and I like all yes. of the ritual, and I like the songs. I think that's great, and I think that that's often where it can start for people. Um, I don't think being... There's nothing wrong with that, is there? I'm not doing anything bad by doing that, am I? Absolutely not anything wrong at all. Because okay. I think some of those things that resonate deep within us are ways that, that we can grow into a connection with God. I think that's what's happening at, at Christmas. You know, we're seeing tremendous numbers, especially on Christmas Eve, mm. with crib services and... Uh, uh, Chris Dingles, I think people are saying there's something here. We may not be able to put words to it, but that really makes a difference to us and our families, and, and we'd like to build on that, really, is what we're saying as the church. What's a Chris Dingle? Oh, Chris Dingle's a, a lovely service where you have a, an orange and some candles and fruit, and it, it oh. came over from Moravia some years ago, but it's a very atmospheric, beautiful service for children, um, especially on a Christmas time. I might pop along for a Chris Dingle. That uh, would be great. Canon John Kiddle, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very okay. much. There we Thanks. go. It's uh, Canon John Kiddle. I'm, I'm building up to the word again. Director of Mission in the St Albans Diocese. Well, l- this brings up two strands of conversation, not completely related. When was the last time you went to church and why did you go to church? I do know two families that have had their children baptised to get them into a good school. And they go to church not for the religious connection. They're not religious. They go to church because they know they have to keep that up to get their kids into a good school. When was the last time you went to church and why? 08459 455 555. I I like going. I like it. I like tradition. I like old things. I like rituals. And listen, if you want to see rituals, go to a church, man. It's, It's just, I love it. But it's not for me to make conscious contact with God. 08459 455 555. And you saw me struggling there with the word diocese. You see, I have to take a run-up to it. What words can't you say? Kelly Betts, uh, who works on the show, uh, says she can't say economy without staring at the word first. I struggle as well with analyst. I can kind of say it freestyle. If I'm reading it, I can't say it. I was doing some filming years ago and the word, uh, I had to read this, the, the, the script and the word was analyst. And it took me uh, 12 takes and on the 13th take I changed the word to expert and otherwise we'd have been there all night. What words do you struggle saying? I know it's odd to get you to phone up and then try and say them but if you wouldn't mind, 08459 455555 Adam Glynn struggles to say the word no. I don't know what that means, it sounds rude, I do apologise. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> dear, oh dear Sorry, that sounded really naughty, Adam. I did As, as it came oh. out, I thought, that's inappropriate, I'll stop, so I apologise. Right. Thank uh, you. One that I used to struggle with when I was younger was anemone, the flower, but now I'm alright with it. Yeah, good, I, I'm not even going to attempt it. Away you go. 
Thank you very much. M1 southbound, slow moving from Luton at Junction 10 to the A5 at Redbourne Junction 9. It's also starting to look a little bit slow on the southbound side as you go past Junction 6A. Looking at the M25, fair bit of traffic now, anti-clockwise past the M1 Junction at 21. Also heavy from Maple Cross to the M40 Junction 17 to 16. But the M40 itself, not busy yet this morning. And on the trains, thankfully, it's all looking pretty decent. No major problems or delays. We've still got those couple of cancellations through Hartford North, I'm afraid. The 710 to Stevenage and the 750 to Moorgate. But everything else looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. And again, apologies for any offence I may have caused by that flippant comment. Sometimes words just come out and I don't... not thinking what I'm saying. Right, it's 6.46. It's uh, Tuesday, <clears throat> excuse me, the 7th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties radio. Police in Luton have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night. A teenager has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. In sport, Ronnie O'Sullivan has become the first player in 17 years to win back-to-back World Snooker Championships. Coming up, the plans for a high-speed rail line from London to Birmingham, travelling through the Chilterns in Buckinghamshire, have featured on this programme many, many times. One of the main arguments that the government has put forward is the economic benefits. Well, before seven, we'll hear how new evidence suggests that that may not actually be the case. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's another beautiful day across all three counties. A pleasant start as well. Not too chilly. Over in High Wycombe, it's 10 Celsius. St Albans, it's around 7. Uh, so it's ranging between those two temperatures, really, at the moment. But the temperature will climb pretty quickly. And we're looking at a maximum later on today of 22 Celsius, 72 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, we may see... It's a very, very slim chance, but this afternoon there's a bit more cloud. We could see a little bit of light rain or an odd shower, uh, but it is fairly unlikely. A very, very slim chance, I just thought I'd say it, just in case someone is unlucky and catches that. Now, it's all changed, so best advice I can give is get outside and enjoy it today because overnight marks the change of things to come. Now from, from midnight really we'll start to see the cloud develop and then from the early hours of tomorrow morning we'll start to see some outbreaks of light rain. Minimum temperature overnight 7 Celsius so temperature wise not bad but we're waking up to a very different day tomorrow. Rather cloudy, rather breezy and rather damp I'm afraid. Temperature wise though still respectable. It will feel a lot cooler but we're getting up to a maximum of 18 Celsius which isn't bad. 64 degrees in Fahrenheit but it really is marking the way for the rest of the week we're looking at more unsettled picture and it's going to get cooler as well I'm afraid it was never going to last that's your forecast thanks very much Kate Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. So when did you first let your kids have a a taste of alcohol? Five, six, fifteen? Oh wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five.
morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the plans for a high-speed rail line from London to Birmingham, travelling through the Chilterns in Buckinghamshire, featured on this show many, many times for obvious reasons. Lots of you very upset by the effect it could have on your, your homes or your businesses. Some of you think it's a cracking idea. Well, one of the main arguments that the government has put forward in favour of the line is the economic benefits. But now BBC's Newsnight programme has evidence that challenges that view. The reporter on tonight's uh, programme is David Grossman. He's on the line now. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ian. David, you've looked at the situation in Spain as an example of where a high-speed line was set up in the 90s. What did you find? Well, let me explain. Firstly, there were... The reasons that they came up with for high-speed rail were threefold. Firstly, it was the big economic gain for the whole country. The second was whether the capacity to, to move people up and down the country, we needed that line. And the third reason, though, was about regional rebalance. You hear Nick Clegg talking about this all the time, every time he's questioned about the subject of this £34 billion railway line. Also, the Prime Minister as well. You know, we need to rebalance the country away from the overheated, rich north, uh, south towards the north. Now, in Spain, the geography's reversed a bit. You have a rich north and a capital, Madrid, and they wanted to spread the wealth away from Madrid to Seville in the south. And they built their line in 1992. However, the results have been very mixed, if not negative. What's happened is it seems to have increased the gravitational pull, if you like, of Madrid to the detriment of Seville. Oh, So where it's supposed to be helping out a slightly poorer region, it's had the opposite effect. Exactly. And if you think about it for a bit, you can see the mechanism by which this may happen. If, for example, you're in the UK and you have uh, an office in Manchester and you have an office in London, and suddenly London and Manchester are just an hour apart, you might think to yourself, well, we could probably do without one of those offices. We can put people on a train and get them up there to, to meet clients or whatever it is they do. Now, which office are you going to close? In the Madrid-Seville example, it was the Seville office that the that, that, that that took a hit. There's another mechanism as well that we, we found was going on, which is that suddenly, if suddenly two cities who have been well separated by distance are a long way apart, um, are, are a lot closer together, I should say, they're actually in competition with each other. They, you know, one can take business away from the other. Now, which is going to be the most leanest, the, the most um, geared towards foreign markets, the most uh, uh, highly skilled uh, in terms of its uh, technology. And the answer sometimes, or more often than not, is the, 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 the firm in the capital. And that tends to take business away from the, the provincial or regional cities. And and one more thing I should say please. about this, which is in Spain, where we were looking, the distances that the people had to travel were bigger and also the time it took them before high-speed rail was very long and in the case of Seville it was like seven and a half hours on the pre-high-speed train in Britain we're not looking at anything like uh, and now it's two and a quarter hours so we're not looking like anything like that sort of gain for places like Manchester and Birmingham from high-speed rail in the UK in terms of time saved so the, the effect will be even less We've been told as well about the benefits of of there being fewer cars on the road. Did you discover anything about this? Well, in Seville... What we found really was that people didn't just didn't make the journey before, you know, if you could possibly avoid it. You know, people talked to us about, um, you know, if you got stuck in a car behind a 
a, a, a lorry going up a hill, you 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 know, it could take you ten hours at least on the on the car. So people just didn't make the journey. That's not the case with high speed uh, rail uh, in the UK because they're already pretty well connected in terms of roads and and in terms of railway lines. Um, the growth in high-speed rail um, journeys in the UK, though, interestingly enough, when the, you look at the projections, 24% of it is going to come from new um, journeys from people who wouldn't have otherwise taken the journey. It's going to happen, is it, HS2? The, the government have invested so much in it, and apart from the, the, the recent um, challenges in the court, which, which had a limited success, that they're pretty much on, on track, pardon the pun, to, to finish this, aren't they, and see this through? Well, it seems that the, the, the dates are, all, are slipping all the time, and we'll see whether the uh, final uh, budget for this project turns out to be the same as it uh, was going into this process. Uh, one interesting date I should put in your diary, the 16th of um, May of this month, the uh, National Audit Office is going to publish a, uh, their review, or around that date at least, their review... It's in the diary the now, case. David. You can't fudge it. I've written it down in pen. <laughs> well, it, they told me it might slip. Oh, OK. The, 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 the business case, they're going to do their review of the business case. This is the, you know, the big auditing, government auditing body, the National Audit Office, are going to do their version of what, whether the business case stacks up. And I, I'd be looking at that very interesting, I think that would be very interesting ne- next week, um, whether they think that there's a good case for this railway line. David, thanks very much indeed. David Grossman, uh, the report will be on Newsnight tonight, and I'm sure lots of you uh, in uh, the three counties, Bucks in particular, will be uh, looking at that eagerly to see if perhaps some of the, the bonuses, the benefits that the government have been banging on about have been slightly fudged to help them get it through. 08459 455 555 if you want to give me a call uh, about that. And also, I did want to know this morning, when, when did you... Um, well, when did you first have an alcoholic drink? And your kids, at what age did you first let them have a little, a little snifter, a little nip of the booze? I remember my uncle giving my cousin when he was about six... Coming out of a pub, we used, to, we used to wait outside the pub for our dads, right? And he came out, he's got some lemonade for you, Lee. And Lee, being sick, swigged this lemonade down. <laughs> Hilariously, it was a gin and tonic, and Lee was sick all over the street. Nice one, Uncle Dennis. Right, let's get the travel. <laughs> the 70s were weird. Here's the travel with Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Is in M1 southbound. It's still really slow. Junction 11 on the cameras is looking very busy at the minute. From there, from the A505 down toward Luton Airport, Junction 10 seems to be where most of the traffic is at the minute. A little bit slow once you go past Junction 9 as well for the A5. And everything further down the M1 toward London seems to be moving a bit more freely. A1M is looking clear. M40 is running nicely. M25, though, problems clockwise. There's a lane closed on the exit slip at Enfield, Junction 25. It's a broken down lorry. Lane 1 of the exit slip road blocked midway down. Uh, the anti-clockwise carriageway of the M25 is heavy as you go past the M1. Also slow from Maple Cross to the M40. And the A1 into London already slow between Stirling Corner and Apex Corner. Trains not doing too badly at all. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much indeed. What age did you let your kids have their first alcoholic drink? 08459 455 555. We'll talk about that and more after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines, shots fired in Luton, Jimmy Tarbuck arrested and victory for reluctant O'Sullivan. BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton police were being for witnesses to the 13th gun-related incident in the town this year. Shortly after nine o'clock on Sunday at night, a motorcyclist tried to shoot the occupants of a black BMW. He missed and the car gave chase, resulting in his hitting two unrelated vehicles before making off on foot. Roads around Fountains Road, New Bedford Road and Culverhouse Roads were closed until yesterday afternoon while forensic evidence was collected. This local resident didn't want to be named but says he now fears for his family's safety. I heard a couple of shots, like I was like a lad, lad bang and stuff. I looked outside and all of a sudden there was all police in that around and uh, they're kind of cordon off the road and stuff. But this isn't the first time it's happened. I think in the last couple of weeks, I think this is the second time that it's happened. And um, I mean, I've got two little kids and um, I mean, I'll be at work most of the time and I mean, I'm telling my missus that, you know what, it's not safe to come out because it's just, uh, just not what to expect. A 19-year-old man has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. Nathan Rutter from Maple Cross is also charged with dangerous driving. The incident happened on Oxbridge Road shortly after midnight on Sunday. A 27-year-old man remains in a serious condition in hospital. The comedian Jimmy Tarbuck has been arrested over an alleged sexual assault on a young boy in the 1970s. He's being questioned by detectives from North Yorkshire Police who are acting on information from the Metropolitan Police. Here's our Home Affairs correspondent, Danny Shaw. Jimmy Tarbuck was arrested by detectives from North Yorkshire Police on April the 26th on suspicion of historical offences of child sexual abuse. The force had been passed information by officers from Operation Utree, the investigation set up by Scotland Yard after the Jimmy Savile affair. The allegations against Mr Tarbuck are unrelated to Savile. They concern an incident involving a young boy in the late 1970s. The comedian was questioned before being released on police bail pending further inquiries. Police in the United States say three women who've been missing for up to 12 years have been found alive at a house in Cleveland, Ohio. Police were called to the building after neighbours heard screams and raised the alarm. A 52-year-old man's been arrested. The former Chancellor, Lord Lawson, has become the most senior Conservative to say he'll vote for Britain to leave the European Union if a referendum's held. In a newspaper article, he says the EU is past its sell-by date and that the case for Britain's exit is clear. In sport, Ronnie O'Sullivan's become just the third player to win back-to-back World Snooker titles in the Crucible era after beating Barry Hawkins 18 frames to 12. O'Sullivan had only played one competitive match since winning his fourth world crown last year. Afterwards, he described it as one of the most amazing things I've achieved in my life, but he wouldn't be drawn as to whether he'll play in the tournament next year. The weather mostly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius, that's 72 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Now, I don't want to be racist... But oh. you're from up north, and you do things differently up there. We're not a different race. Oh. Go on, carry on, oh, carry on. Sorry, I do apologise. I'll have to change the data I've just inputted into Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> but you lot, you lot just, fr- pretty much from when they're born, you give them booze, don't you? You just put it in the bottle. You can't give a baby booze. <laughs> you can't give a baby booze, what are you talking about? No, we don't. I think I had my first tot of wine, aged about seven, so, you know... They allowed me to grow a little. And how, how old are your kids? My children are 19 months old and four. And, and no booze has passed their lips. My, the, my father-in-law, who's a doctor, keeps <laughs> trying to give my three-year-old a sip of beer or a little nip of wine. And we keep going, Peter, stop it, he's three. I won't hurt him, won't hurt him at all. I'm doing the world of good. It won't. Sorry. sorry that continental that. attitude that's leading to all the problems in this country. Exactly, I blame the French. <laughs> blame the French and the doctors. It's their fault. You can't give a baby booze. She's right. You can't.
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about. I'll give out the contact details in a bit. Do give me a call. Bit a bit quiet on the phone calls this morning. What's wrong with you? You're not out enjoying the sunshine, are you? How dare you? How dare you? Well, if you are out in the garden at 7 o'clock in the morning, make sure you've got a tranny with you. Have a little listen on a tranny and give me a phone call, please. I'll give out the phone number in just a second. Lots of things to talk about. Some serious, some not quite so serious. Well, one of the serious things is there has been another shooting in Luton. It's the th- the 13th, excuse me, this year. When our reporter, Justin Dean, has been to the area to find out how people are feeling about gun crime. Jeremy asked Kath there, what age should you let your children try alcohol? A new campaign is starting in Hertfordshire to encourage parents to talk to kids more about it. Well, joining me on the show will be a Milton Keynes man whose son died after drinking a whole bottle of ouzo. Well, he now goes into schools to teach kids about the dangers of excessive drinking. And we talked about this on Thursday last week, then we talked about it on Friday, and we've had so much feedback... We're going to be talking about it again today, one of the most controversial subjects that we've discussed on this show, cousin marriage. We revealed last week how one in five of the infant deaths in Luton being caused by genetic conditions are linked to cousin marriage. Well, I'll be speaking to a man whose sister married her cousin. She had a disabled child. And we'll also be speaking to a local councillor. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Put your name on it, please. Or oh, the best way to get in touch, 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. And do stay listening to the Cousins Marrying and Having Children. We heard some amazing points of view last week, including a gentleman who said that if the couple love each other, if the cousins love each other, they'll have fine, the children will be fine. But if the cousins don't like each other, that's when the children are born dead uh, or die young or are deformed. He actually said that and actually believed it. So definitely worth listening to. Now, police are continuing to investigate another shooting in Luton just hours after a peace rally was held to try and end the violence in the town. Community leaders held a rally outside the town hall in Sunday in reaction to a spate of stabbings and shootings. The phrase community leaders always sits a little uncomfortable with me. I wonder who appoints these people, community leaders. Police also sealed off Culver House Road on Sunday night after a man on a motorbike shot at a black BMW. The car driver was uninjured. Well, reporter Justin Dealey has been to the area. Justin. Thank you, Ian. Yes, I was in Culver House Road yesterday just after 7 o'clock in the morning very early. Now, at that point, and we mentioned this, of course, yesterday live on your programme, the police weren't confirming it was a shooting. They were simply saying there was an incident and they were investigating. The road was cordoned off. Uh, the forensic unit was there as well. And I spoke to this local resident and he said that he was shocked to wake up and see his road cordoned off. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, it is a shock. Uh, as I said, we never saw anything like this before. I know there were a few being chased, uh, youngsters being in a car and, you know, sort of uh, making run and all that, police chasing and all that. Lately, I've been hearing police sirens going quite a few times, helicopters and all that. But mainly on this street, we don't have that much problem as such. Can you just try and describe what the area is like? Um, you've lived here for, for quite some time. You mentioned helicopters and sirens a few times, but on the whole, is it is it quite a good road to live in? It is, yeah. It's, it's a very good road, yeah. The neighbours, people are pretty good and all that. They look after each other. So it's it's pretty pretty much uh, 
safe. You know, uh, we never had a problem, to be honest. So that was me talking to one local yesterday morning, just after 7 o'clock. Again, the police hadn't confirmed it was a shooting then. The Bedfordshire police then did confirm it was a shooting just after 9.30. And that's when I spoke to this lady, who doesn't wish to be named, and she told us what she heard late on Sunday evening. I just heard, I was watching the television, I just heard, I thought was, I commented that it was a nice evening and the lads were out driving their cars fast up and down the road, which happens, and I heard a muffled bang and I thought it was a car backfiring and then we heard the helicopter, but we were engrossed in watching the television, so it wasn't until we went to bed that we actually noticed that there was a police car outside. Well, now we know it's a shooting. Just how concerned are you that something like that could happen right on your doorstep? Well, I don't know the circumstances. I'm hoping it's not someone who lives down my street, either who's done the shooting or is a victim. I don't know. I mean, whether or not it's somebody you know is, is probably... Well, I'm very concerned about gun crime in, on the whole. And has it scared you enough that you're now thinking about leaving that road? No. No, no, I wouldn't leave this road. I'm sure it's not going to happen here again. I'm very happy. I've got very pleasant neighbours. Well, there's um, a, a confidence there. I'm sure it won't happen uh, there again. That was all yesterday, mm. Justin. You've been there this morning. What have people been saying this morning? Well, the police cordon has been removed. Uh, the road is now fully reopened. That reopened yesterday afternoon. So it's, it's business as usual, if you like, for the people along Colberhouse Road in Luton this morning. I've been back in the area in the last 30 minutes or so, and I spoke to this man, who, again, doesn't wish to be named, and he's been describing his feelings and he's been describing what he heard on Sunday and this shooting happened directly outside his front window. Here's well, what he had to say. As far as I'm concerned, I was actually in my living room sitting with my family and stuff and um, I heard a couple of shots, like I was like a lad, lad bang and stuff. I looked outside and uh, couldn't really see much and all of a sudden there was all police in that around and uh, they kind of caught off the road and stuff. But this isn't the first time it's happened. I think in the last couple of weeks, I think this is the second time that it's happened. And um, I mean, I've got two little kids and um, I mean, I'll be at work most of the time and... I mean, I'm telling my missus that, you know what, it's not safe to come out because it's just, uh, just not what to expect. So you're actually telling your wife now not yeah. to leave the house? Yeah, not to leave the house, no, until basically we know exactly what's happening and uh, it's not safe to come out, basically. Although you say that there's been a couple of incidents here recently, mm. you are really shocked because this happened directly outside your house. I mean, the first time they happened, it was around about two in the morning and this has been, like, showing I was asleep with my family and stuff and uh, it was, like, very disturbing because uh, we just didn't know what was happening. And it's not nice when you're sleeping in the middle of the night and you're having to hear, like, um, gunshots when you find out later on that that's what it was. So, bearing in mind what you're saying, you must now be thinking about leaving this road, surely? No, that's something that I should discuss with my partner, and uh, we are actually considering that. It's because this used to be a very good area, but, um, I mean, it's, it's not even that. I mean, once the incident happens and it's all kind of like... Um, the dust has set and stuff it's just that you still get crowds of guys that just stick around and it's like a traffic jam i mean you get cars constantly just driving up and down and it's just it's not pleasant anymore it's not it's not the kind of environment that you want to bring up your family you know it's the 13th shooting in Luton this year just lastly do you think it's it's too late now for Luton to turn itself around bearing in mind it's the 13th this year alone no i don't think it's too late i just think basically it's just they need to get to the bottom of it as into what's causing it and stuff and uh, no i don't think it, I, I i think they can basically something can be done about it but it's just that the the root of the problem is what they need to tackle and once they do that I'm sure it can be how it used to be. But when you first lived here, never in a million years did you think you'd be hearing gunshots directly no, outside your no, front window? No, no, definitely not, definitely not. I mean, it's like, um, it's, it's happening in, in a, at random times where, do you know what I mean, you could be out with your family and stuff and someone could just drive by and just, your family could be at risk, you know? 
so it's it's not nice. I'm trying to put myself in that gentleman's place, Justin. Yeah. Gunshots go off in, in my street outside my window. I think I'd be out there straight away. Well, a lot of people are very concerned. There's a, a lady here by the radio car with me. Madam, what's your name? Rachel. Rachel, we're asking the question this morning. How safe do you feel here in Luton? Not safe at all. I walk to work, but my husband don't like me walking to work. But um, I don't think I'll be walking to work very often because I'm a bit scared. <laughs> it's the 13th gun-related crime we're talking about in yeah. Luton this year alone. What's got to happen now? We keep on asking this question. Somebody who is concerned about your safety here, what's got to happen in your town? Um, I think it's. I think it's just... They're just not very strict enough on them, I think, really, to be honest. I think they get away with murder. Well, yeah, quite literally. Yeah, in literally, some cases. yeah, yeah. So, so clearly, as somebody who lives in Luton, you're very, very concerned. You want the police to be doing more. You're now even thinking about not walking to work. You're that concerned yeah, about your safety. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just, I think they're just too soft on them when they do catch them. I think they just everything. They get away with everything. Rachel, I appreciate your time. Oh, Thank you. Know. That was uh, Rachel there joining us live, just walking past the radio car. But again, somebody there we heard from the local residents in Culverhouse House Road. Um, the shooting's happening right outside their window. They're saying it's not the first time. You've heard from Rachel there. And that's not a case of me, Ian, just, just pulling somebody who's got a controversial opinion. That's somebody who was literally walking past the radio car when we're doing a live piece. You've heard that directly live. That is somebody, again, who is now thinking about not walking to work because she feels right. scared. This is, we, this, I'm, I'm, I'm bored of this now. I'm bored of doing gun crime in Luton. I'm mm. bored of it. We do it every week. And, and the, the, the Ollie Martins and, and the police say, oh, there's no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no gangs. Don't worry, everything's fine. It's no worse than other places. Actually, if you hear people like that, it is worse than other places. Mm. What they need to do, okay? Roadblocks, stop and search. Have a month of intensive random roadblocks and stop and search as many people as they can. Get the police out on the streets. Get them stopping kids. Get them stopping younger people. Get them pulling cars over, searching in the boots, searching in the glove compartments, uh, and, and if they don't catch anybody, it's certainly going to put the frighteners up, people. Well, well, these, of course, these are not new police techniques. You wouldn't think this was rocket science. I mean, years ago, uh, when I was doing stories like this in Luton, I actually saw somebody who was driving around in Luton, this is Marsh Farm we're talking about here, with a bulletproof vest in the back of their car. I kid you not. What? So, yeah, absolutely. So, so these stories are not something new, but, of course, the figures speak for themselves. The 13th gun related crime this year. People are clearly concerned in Luton. What I'm going to do for the next 45 minutes or so in, I'll talk to people in Luton and ask them the direct question, how safe do you feel Perfect. living in your town? Justin Daly, thank you very much indeed. Are we speaking to the police a little bit later on, Producer Laura? Have we managed to get hold of them or not? Yeah, we put a bid in yesterday to have a chat with the police. They were hoping to come back to us before nine o'clock this morning. We're just chasing that up. Oh, that's nice of them. Okay, let's chase that up. Because surely 13 gun crimes this year, right? I'm not, you know, particularly a fascist or anything, but Luton needs a, 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 at least a month of kind of a, a clampdown. Random roadblocks, random stop and search of cars and young people walking around, whatever colour, whatever ethnicity, whatever, all of them, because it doesn't seem to be necessarily uh, dictated by colour or anything like that. You might catch a few kids, brilliant, lock them up, chuck away the key for a long time, and if you don't, it might scare them a bit to realise that the police are taking this seriously. People are getting shot, and it would appear that very little is being done. Oh, well, you know, we had the councillor on last week, didn't we? Ollie Martin's second in command. Well, we've handed out press releases. Whoop-dee-doo, what's that going to do? Hey, guys, listen, let's get rid of our guns. They're handing out press releases. Yeah, they're serious about this stuff.
No. Stop and search. Lock them up. 08459 455 555. It makes sense, doesn't it? Right. Rant over. Travel News, Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Deep breaths and relax. The A1. It's a little bit slow coming toward the Black Cat roundabout at the moment. Not looking too bad, but southbound expected to be a bit busy as you come toward the Great Barford Bypass there. The M1 on the southbound side is particularly slow this morning. Speed sensors picking up delays now. Not a solid queue, but certainly all slow moving from Junction 12 at Flitic all the way down to 7 at Hemel Hempstead for the A414. A1M, meanwhile, looks busy between Hitchin and Stevenage, Junctions 8 and 7, and the A5 in Dunstable starting to slow up between Church Street and Lynch Hill. Clockwise M25, we've still got a lane closed on the exit slip road at Enfield, Junction 25. It's the A10 slip road, and you've got a broken down lorry there. It's about midway down the slip road, blocking lane 1. Anti-clockwise carriageway of the M25 is looking slow as you pass the M1 at Junction 21, also between Maple Cross and the M40, and on the trains, all looking pretty good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. We always seem to go to Adam when either I'm angry or one of the callers is angry. I hope he doesn't take it personally. Right, 7.17, it's Tuesday the 7th of May, I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton Police are appealing for witnesses to the 13th gun-related incident in the town this year. A 19-year-old man has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. In sport, Sir Bradley Wiggins is second overall in that bike race in Italy. I'm not even going to attempt to say its name after finishing eighth in yesterday's third stage. Coming up, at what age should you let your kids try alcohol? A new campaign is starting in Hertfordshire to encourage parents to talk to kids more about it. Well, joining me on the show in the next few minutes will be a Milton Keynes man whose son died after drinking a whole bottle of ouzo. He now goes into schools to teach children about the dangers of excessive drinking. 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Every weekday from 3, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from 3. On BBC. Three Counties Radio. I'm really angry about this now. I'm really angry. All oh, the police are hoping to come on the show before nine o'clock. Oh, thanks, police. You just heard that, and I don't want to big this up. I don't want to. I, I don't want to be alarmist. I'm sure if you're walking the streets of Luton, you're pretty safe. I'm not saying it's a war zone out there. You're pretty safe. But 13 gun crimes this year alone is not good enough. The police should be on here this morning trying to allay your fears and tell you exactly what they're up to. And what they should be up to, they should be doing random stop and searches of anyone, getting a load of police presence out on the street, and roadblocks, stopping cars, having a look in the boots and glove compartments of cars, getting people out of their cars. It's what they should be doing... Are they doing that? Well, no. The last we heard was they were sending out press releases. Do you know who gets press releases? Me. I get press releases. Me and my producer get press releases, and we look at it and we go, um, nope, nothing there worth reporting on. Nope, uh, anything in that? No, nothing new there. We won't do that on the show. That's how press releases work. 
08459 455 555. I'm angry. I don't even live in Luton. I'm angry because we're doing this every week. Every week. 08459 455 555. What do you think? Now on to another story. What age did you first try alcohol and when did you give it to your kids? According to research, 80% of parents and carers would wait until their child was involved with alcohol before bringing up the subject, and only 20% would do so beforehand. Well, Hertfordshire's Alcohol Campaigns Group wants to encourage parents and carers to have the conversation. They say the best time to talk about it is between the ages of 8 and 12, when they're more likely to listen to an adult. Well, I'm joined now by uh, Clive Loveday, whose son Matthew died at a New Year's Eve party in 2005 after drinking a whole bottle of ouzo. Well, Clive now goes into schools to warn young people about the dangers of excessive drinking. Morning, Clive. Good morning. Clive, how old was your son when he died? He was 19. And uh, what happened? How did you find out about it? And and what Um, do you know about that night? Yeah, it was a hell of a shock to the family. I mean, couldn't believe it, we thought, because it was New Year's Eve... Somebody was having a, a practical joke, you know, just unbelievable, really. I mean, um, he went to a New Year's Eve party, which we knew was going to go ahead. Um, I did tell him to sort of go steady with the drink because, you know, at that age, they tend to drink, you know, more, especially at parties, uh, with peer pressure. Um, the party went on, they had some lager in the evening, and then uh, got involved with the drinking game with a bottle of Uzo. And even though he was quite a big lad, um, it was just too much for his body to take. And it, it depressed his brain, believe it or not. Um, the actual alcohol uh, depressed his brain, which actually shut down his respiratory system. I didn't know that myself um, until the medical people told us. And Clive, the power of alcohol could actually do that to a young person. And Clive, yeah. if it's not too painful, then if I, you know, if I ask anything you don't want to answer, then tell me to get lost, of course. Uh, how did you find out that Matthew had passed away? Well, we were actually phoned up by the uh, hospital staff at the Milton Keynes General Hospital. Um, you know, that, um, just an ordinary phone call. Uh, I think that the police uh, were trying to get hold of us on the landline, but we were out ourselves at the time. Uh, but uh, the phone call from came through on the on the land on the mobile phone from the General Hospital in Milton Keynes, and you know, just couldn't believe it. Really, couldn't believe it. It's just unreal, really, um, as you can imagine. The shock just um, actually devastated us all the way through. I'm just trying to think. My, my boys are a long way off f- from that, but I'm just trying to think. You send your 19-year-old lad off on a, on a New Year's Eve party, and of course, you know, 19-year-old, of course they're going to go out and do whatever they do, and they're going to have a bit of fun. But then to get a call, on, I'm assuming, on New Year's Day, saying, I'm, I'm really sorry, Mr Loveday, but, but Matthew's passed away. I can't even begin to imagine how that feels. No, I mean, it's, it's actually, you know, it's just unbelievable. You know, you really do think that, well, you hope that it's a practical joke. Mm. Um, because at the time, you know, I had fireworks going off outside, which is New Year's Day, the early hours of New Year's Day, and actually thought it was all part of that. Um, and then it became, we had to get, actually got in touch with the police ourselves to, com- to get it confirmed by the police. And once they confirmed it, um, you know, um, it just panic actually set in. And, um, you know, we actually visited Milton Keynes the next day actually going obviously identify his body uh, it's actually devastating for the family oh of course I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was did you speak to Matthew about alcohol when he was younger um, well, you know, obviously as he got older um, I would just say things like you know go steady with the alcohol go steady with the drink you know because you knew that they drank more than they were sort of actually 
can handle, you know. Um, and that, in some ways, Clive, that, that... More of an educational programme. Well, in some ways, when you're a teenager, it's almost too late. I remember experimenting as a teenager and kind of discovering my limits. And I, I, I went way over my limits a few times, realised what they were, and kind of held back. Do you think it would have had any difference if you'd have spoken to him when he was younger, so, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years old? I think it would have done, yeah. I think, um, you know, it's difficult to imagine that, um, that um, when they're younger that they're actually going to get involved that much with alcohol. Mm. Um, and of course, the difference is that um, you said about yourself, um, I think there's been a bit of a transformation from like, beer and lager to, to shots and shorts and things like that. The shots is, is, is a relatively new thing. And it's, it's, the, it's the spirits, which is obviously more dangerous than the beer. Uh, the beer and lager. Now, Clive, you go you go to schools now, don't you, and uh, educate uh, young people about the dangers of alcohol. How did that start, and, and what ages are you speaking to? Um, that started um, about a year after it, what happened to Matthew. Somebody suggested to me, you know, because I did a lot of uh, media um, campaigning with the TV and yourselves and other radio companies uh, and television companies. Um, somebody said, well, wouldn't have been a good idea to actually bring it back to the local local level, you know, um, kind of to children in schools in this country, you know, um, because the campaign you know, went abroad as well, you know, picked up by the media organisations abroad, and somebody said, well, why not go into the schools? And I thought, well, why not? And it's a good idea because you've got to start somewhere and try and educate youngsters of the power of alcohol and what it can do and tell them the story, what happened to Matthew. So the, the age of children I do now is year nines, about 12, 13 years of age, uh, going to the schools, tell them, you know, what can happen if a typical night out, you know, right from the beginning, uh, before they go out, during their evening, and how to get home afterwards. And do they, uh, at 12 and 13, Clive, do they seem responsive to what you're saying? Yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah, they listen, and... Um, they, they fill a little form and, and tell us tell us what they think of what they've you know what they've learned and it's usually positive stuff and there's a DVD as well which we show which helps the education. And has losing Matthew, Clive, has it? And I really appreciate you you, you know being so open and honest this morning. Losing Matthew, has it changed your attitude to alcohol? Do you still drink? Yeah, yeah, but it's um it's it's, you know, it's always always been sensible sensible with it really, um, mm. and I think it does or to yourself, really, to, to imagine that the, uh, the power of it can actually be such a devastating, you know, part of your life, really. And so, you know, I do actually drink alcohol myself, but um, I do treat it with more respect, perhaps, than I used to, you know, myself. And people around me as well, I mean, people around me, loads, you know, lots of different people have said, Clive, make sure you continue with your good work, because, and this is just ordinary people. You know, everyday people they actually encourage me to continue with the work I'm doing because they realize that uh, you, you're not um, you're not you're not you're not condemning not condemning alcohol um, you're just trying to um, do what I can around it Clive I really appreciate you coming on the show this morning and, and, and talking to us about Matthew and about your work yeah thanks very much thanks very much it's Clive uh, Loveday son Matthew died New Year's Eve party in 2005 at the age of 19 after playing a drinking game uh, with a bottle of ouzo. Horrible stuff. Oh, dearie me. Well, when did you first have your first alcoholic drink? 
I think my... I, I seem to remember sort of six, seven. It was... Hey, man, the 70s were awful, weren't they? As we are finding out every day. But I remember having a little bit of beer, some of my dad's beer, having proper lager shandy, sometimes a little bit, uh, little bit longer. A little bit more. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. And have you got kids? What age do you let them drink? And I do remember, I, Clive was saying there that it, it's kind of changed now and that it's, it's, it's shots now and uh, it was kind of beer back in the day. I, I didn't really want to say anything that, that, that might appear disrespectful, but uh, for me, it was spirits when I was 15, 16. It was Thunderbird in the park. Thunderbird. Uh, and then the next time I went out was to a party at Adele Jessup's house and I had a bottle of Thunderbird and a bottle of vodka and I'm listen I'm not proud that was one of the worst nights of my life that was my first blackout at the age of 15 oh that's glamorous that's glamorous I wait four five nine four double five five double five. And just to let you know, we have uh, confirmation that uh, in regards to the shootings taking place in Luton, we uh, were trying to get hold of the, the police to come on the show. They will be on this programme at eight forty-five this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, we'll be speaking to Chief Superintendent Mark Turner in about an hour and fifteen minutes. If there's any points you'd like me to put to him about the recent events in Luton, then do give us a call on that number. Seven twenty nine. Here's the travel news now with Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And of course it's the same number to call if you do spot any major problems out there on the roads. The A1 at the minute is looking pretty slow. We've got queuing traffic between the Eaton Soken and St Neots Junction and the Black Cat Roundabout. Looking busy around there. The A1M delays as you go past Stevenage and Hitch in Junction 8 and 7. The A1 then, as you get into London, also slow in Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner through to Apex Corner. Meanwhile, through Dunstable, the A5, the high street slow moving between the A505 and Lynch Hill. If you're using the M1 this morning, northbound not doing too badly. Southbound, though, is slow in fits and starts from Flittick at Junction 12 to Hemel Hempstead at Junction 7. Clockwise M25 on the exit slip to the A10 at Junction 25. We've got a broken down lorry. So not causing major problems at the present time, but certainly slow around there. Anti-clockwise, meanwhile, is stop-start from the M1 to Junction 19 at Watford, and then slow again from Chorleywood to Junction 16 at the M40. On the train departure boards this morning, we haven't got any huge problems. A couple of late runners here and there, but nothing more than a few minutes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 7.30 News sport now here's Catherine. getting beds hearts and bugs talking this is bbc three counties radio Good morning. The headlines. Luton police are appealing for witnesses to the 13th gun-related incident in the town this year. A 19-year-old man has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. And the comedian Jimmy Tarbuck's been arrested over an alleged sexual assault on a young boy in the 1970s. Beds, hearts and bucks, sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ronnie O'Sullivan's become the first player in 17 years to win back-to-back World Snooker Championships. He's won the title for a fifth time after an 18-12 victory over Barry. Barry Hawkins. O'Sullivan produced some of the best snooker the Crucible's ever seen, yet he'd played just one competitive match since winning last year. I never come here expecting to win it, but you know, once I got past my first round, you know, I, I really felt every moment, I felt present with everything, I felt every up, every down, and I kind of managed my mind better than I'd ever have. 
In the Premier League, Sunderland and Stoke City fought it out to a one-all draw at the Stadium of Light. Jonathan Walters put Stoke ahead early on, but despite having Craig Gardner sent off after half an hour, Sunderland equalised through John O'Shea in the second half. The point takes Sunderland up two places to 15th above Newcastle and Norwich. So both managers, Tony Pulis and Paolo Di Canio, were satisfied to have eased their relegation fears. We fight, you know, because the, the fans are pushing for us. That was crucial for us. Also, we saw the quality. Adam Johnson, James, you know, also Danny, he worked so hard is on up front so we did very well I'm very happy we're pleased with the point we've come away from a you know a club which is a massive football club and taken a point and that takes us a point closer to what we want and that is Premier League safety in tennis, British number one Laura Robson's beaten a top five tennis player for the first time in her career. She overcame the world number four Agnieszka Radvanska 6-3-6-1 to reach the third round of the Madrid Open. Finally, cycling and Sir Bradley Wiggins is second overall at the Giro d'Italia after finishing eighth in yesterday's third stage. He's 17 seconds behind Italy's Luca Paolini who took the race leader's pink jersey. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. Hey, you threw a little accent in. I did not. You did? When? Luca Paolini. Luca Paolini. Yeah. I just said his name. You don't attempt it, so you have no right to comment. How rude. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. How rude. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give me a call, coming up between now and 8 o'clock, church uh, attendance figures, well, they're not necessarily rising. They are levelling out. The decline is levelling out. Why are more people going? Is it... I don't want to be cynical. I know two couples that go to church and had their children baptised because they want to get them into a good school. They're not of a religious faith. They just play the part. I got married in a church... And we had to go to church, I think, four or five times before. Got married in a church just because I liked the idea of a church wedding. When did you last go to church and why? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Give us a call about anything. And we're also um, talking... Well, we talked about this story last week uh, on Thursday. And then uh, it, it attracted so much controversy that we talked about it again on Friday. And then we had so many people get in touch, we thought we'd mention it again. It's uh, the fact that one-fifth of the infant deaths in Luton being caused by genetic conditions linked to cousin marriage. Well, Aslam Khan, an Asian counsellor from Luton, says figures linking infant mortality with cousin marriage, they need greater scrutiny. Well, we'll be speaking to him in a few minutes. But first, Shafkat Nabi contacted us. His sister married a cousin and now has a disabled child. Shafkat joins me on the studio. Good morning, Shafkat. Good morning. Tell me about your, your family's experience. What happened? Okay, I think um, just a bit of history first. I think uh, back in Pakistan, um, the family's culture was to marry only inside the family, uh, marry cousins. And um, over the last sort of 10 years, we've seen some peculiar um, conditions um, coming about in the family. Um, But it's become more prevalent now where um, we've got three or four uh, children who are disabled who have got some sort of genetic uh, degeneration diseases. Um, I've got a cousin who's been recently diagnosed with uh, a disease, and my um, my sister's daughter, she's got a disease at the moment as well. And, you, I mean, it's difficult to say whether everything is completely linked, but obviously the scientific uh, research and data is saying that there is um, some problems with the, um, you know, cousins marrying cousins and the... The, the, the blood um, linkage and so on. 
So that's what's actually happening. So what is happening in our family is the youth, especially the, the younger generation now, are starting to realise that it's probably not a good idea. And um, they're more and more are um, starting to marry outside the family. So this has been going on uh, for generations in Pakistani communities. And I, I want to be clear about this because we did get some criticism for singling out Pakistanis and Kashmiris. Um, but that's generally where it happens more often than, than, than in other communities. Is that right? I would say so, yeah. I mean, I've been... Uh, I looked at some of the reports that came about last week and read that, you know, it's, it's almost like 70% um, is being done by the Pakistani community. And I, for one, am totally discouraging um, the marrying of cousins, not only on a cultural or scientific or biological reason, but also on a faith reason, because uh, our prophet told us to uh, encourage us to marry far and wide because it strengthens the blood. And um, this is something which is encouraged by the Prophet and by the companions. And this is one of the things that they used to do. They used to marry um, out of their tribes, um, not only to um, strengthen the blood, but also to settle any um, wars and battles and any, you know, um, things that any, any um, uh, issues that they had. They used to marry from family to fa- from one tribe to another tribe to um, strengthen the community. So your, your sister uh, uh, married a cousin... Um, and uh, and has one disabled child, Shafkat. Yeah. And and, yeah. and and what what's if you don't mind me asking, what what how is that child disabled? What what problems do they have? Okay. Um, the, the young girl, she's about um, what twelve years old now, and for the last two three years, she's been having difficulties, and then she was diagnosed with uh, something called ataxia. Uh, can't pronounce it properly. But no. It's called ataxia. And what does that? How does that affect her? Um, it's got uh, multiple sort of symptoms. First of all, you know, muscle uh, degeneration. Um, she's she's lost the use of her legs, so she, she's wheelchair bound for the rest of her life. She's also got diabetes, very early onset. She's got um, lack of control in her hands and and so on. And um, I think her speech is slowly going as well. And eventually, you know, she will be unfortunately in a very terrible state. Uh, she gets older. And that must be heartbreaking for, for it, you and it, for her parents to, to to watch this happen. For the whole family, yeah. yeah. Was your sister aware of the risks of, of marrying a cousin and having a child with a cousin? Probably not, not at that stage. I mean, um, obviously, what, about 10, 12 years ago, mm. um, the, the, it actually came over a period of time. I mean, it, uh, we never did have any major issues in the family until, what, um, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't heard of. And then over the last 10, 15 years, definitely, we've seen more and more strange sort of conditions appearing. And uh, does she feel guilty in any way? Does she, does she f- I don't uh, want to say feel responsible, because that's not fair, but do, do, does, she, does she regret... I think, uh, you know, her face, um, we, we feel that everything uh, happens for a reason. We, we're a very religious family, so uh, whatever's, written, uh, whatever's written for you is written for you as a part of an overall test in life um, to see, you know, to, for you to get nearer to, uh, to God and become more practicing and so on. So she feels that this whole thing is a, a test for us, but at the same time, we have to be practical and reasonable, and she... She now uh, has got two other sons, and she definitely doesn't want them to get married inside the family. But Hang on, she, she said, did, did she have the, the, the two sons when she knew that her daughter was poorly? No, no, the, right. the, the, she had a... Uh, it all happened um, while she, 
she had all her three children right. and then she found about the found out about the condition so she definitely saying that look she doesn't want to get um her sons married inside the family mm. but if you know if they choose to marry inside the family then um it's simple you just have a blood test and the blood test will um ascertain whether you have the weak chromosomes in the blood or whatever and then um and if this is the case she will definitely say no you can't because this is the risk that you're going to be running with so I mean, in in a way and i think uh, a way to try and um reduce the impact of this problem is to have more blood tests and say yeah. look if you do, if this happens then you know you're, you're running a risk of having a disabled child I'm I'm not a geneticist, and I, I, I'm not too hot on, on, on DNA. But it, it, is it just down to to, to blood? Surely, by um, c- continually marrying within the the the, the, uh, the the family, the gene pool is weakened, isn't it? So, can, I, I, can, can I the deficiencies yeah. be recognised by a blood test? Well. I mean, this is what the doctors have told her. Right, OK. If you, had to, if you had a blood test beforehand, then we would have been able to um, find out whether you've got particular chromosomes right. in the blood that can um, increase the risk. Do- doctors may know a little bit more about it than me, Shafkat. That, <laughs> that is distinctly <laughs> possible. Are, are you married to a cousin? No, no, no. I married um, um, out of the family straight away. Um, not because of this reason, but, um, uh, you know... University sweetheart. Oh, well, that's fair enough. Well done, you. Uh, and you got in touch because you you heard us discussing this on the show uh, last week, and we did have. I remember we had a gentleman caller called Mohammed, who um, started off making a fairly sensible point, and then he said towards the end, if the couples, if the cousins love each other, then they'll have healthy children, and if they hate each other, that's when problems arise, and that's when they'll have potentially disabled children. When you hear things like that, Shafkat, how does that make you feel? I, I mean, I didn't agree with that. I mean, I agree that obviously if, if you fall in love with someone, you have strong attractions and you'll have um, your children will probably end up being better behaved because they see the love between um, yeah. two people. But I think linking that to um, any biological disorders and so on, I, I, don't, I can't accept that. I don't agree with that. Shafkat, stay on the line. I want to bring into the conversation the Chair of Health and Scrutiny at Luton Borough Council, uh, Councillor Aslam Khan. Good morning, Councillor. Good morning. Now, Councillor, you say the statistics um, regarding infant mortality and uh, genetic deficiency within um, inter-family marriages need greater scrutiny. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, because uh, there is a, a link, of course. Uh, however, the uh, mortality rates that we ha- have in Luton um, are above the national average, but uh, those uh, figures do not really directly uh, look at or um, the uh, the incidence of uh, genetic disorders, because this, these mortalities were looking at overall deaths. Um, which which uh, um, states that well, the figures, the figures, and I don't have them in front of me. So excuse me if I'm quoting these wrong. Between 2009 and 2011, there were 98 deaths of children, sure, sure. Uh, and 20 of those were caused by cousins marrying. No, no. I, I think before we start making those assumptions, are that, well, no, when, those are the those are the, the statistics that were in the Luton Borough Council no, report. Are you saying those figures are wrong? No, no, no. I'm not disputing the figures are wrong. When you look, when you start looking at genetic disorders, when you start doing studies, you've got to start looking at comparing uh, for those people who marry within cousins, and for those deaths which are directly related to genetic disorders, and then for those people who marry within cousins and uh, had deaths without genetic disorders. So you had to have you have to have a good comparative study. Some of those families who, whose uh, children have died had already uh, had other children with genetic disorders 
Well, no. Uh, when when you look at when you start comparing statistics, you can make them look as uh, look uh, like whatever you want them to. Counselor, counselor, no, counselor. Lee, Lee, hang on a minute. Ian. I know, I know. Uh, sorry, Ian. That's right, but hang on a minute. When you start talking about science, you have to have good, robust studies. Okay. And I know very much okay. about. Uh, so, uh, so, so tell me, tell me about science into DNA, counselor, and, and the weakening of the gene pool when uh, families uh, marry. Well, put it this way: if you if uh, people marry generations after generations, you do get a recessive gene. Okay, right. when you when you um, uh, uh, talking about marrying uh, cousins and having disabled children, you got to have a good comparative study. You got to have. This has a been going on for study. generations in the Pakistani and Kashmiri community, hasn't it? Sorry, this this has been going on for generations in the the, the Pakistani and Kashmiri community. No, no, no. Hang on a minute. When we talk, we're talking about Luton here. We're, well, we're talking, talking about, about Pakistani. Mutanjiri. We're talking about the Pakistani community. We're talking about here Pakistani community and yeah. the death rate in Luton, the mortality yeah. rates. Okay, and, and has that been going on? For, has that been going on for generations? Uh, no, uh, in, in some cases it may well be. Okay. We're talking about a genetic uh, uh, disorder-related uh, uh, mortalities. Yes. When you start looking at figures, you need to uh, uh, scrutinise them and you need to really um, do comparative studies. Councillor, you. You, said, you, you just brought up the subject of, of it going on for generations, and, and no, it has been going on, on for hang generations. Hang on a minute. In, in some, we're talking about mortality rates in Luton, and when we start uh, comparing statistics, you need to see whether the right. studies have been done properly Councilor, before you the start Luton making The Luton Borough Council report said that 20 children had died in a space of two years in Luton because of genetic deficiencies no, caused no, by cousins no, hang marrying. No, Hang on a minute. When you start looking at studies, are you, you saying the Luton Borough Council report was incorrect? Because that's what it no, said. That's not what I'm saying. What well, I'm that's saying what it when said. you start no, when you start doing statistics, when you start looking at scientific studies, you yes. need to have proper robust. So you studies. are saying you are saying the Luton Borough Council report was Just wrong. The pool data is not good so enough. So you are for saying me. you are saying it was wrong. No, I'm not saying it's Counselor, wrong, and you're, I'm you're, not saying at this sort of time and uh, moment it's right. Okay? Well, well, what, what are, are you saying, Councillor? You're starting to annoy me now. Answer the question. Are no, you no, saying no. that the minute, council report minute, was wrong? No, stop making assumptions. I'm when not making assumptions. I'm trying yeah, to get an answer from you. No, I am saying to you, there is, uh, there may be an association, <sighs> and there is uh, uh, evidence out there when you make uh, when you marry within cousins, yes. you do get a, this recessive gene. But when you start looking at uh, uh, death rates and when you start questioning them, in my eyes, before you start making those assumptions. You've got to do a comparative study. This here, just making assumptions that 20 uh, children died okay. uh, and not having a, 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 a randomized or okay. double-blind controlled trial... Um, so we're, know, running out time. we're running out of time. So you are saying then that the council report is wrong. Can I just press you I'm on that? Because saying, the council report... The council report saying, said... No, no, the council no, no, report no. said... For the no, last no. time, the council report said... And I remember because I had it in front of me all morning. The council report said that 20 out of 90... 98 children died over a two-year period in the Pakistani community because they had genetic defects caused by cousins marrying. Are I'm you saying, saying that's right no, or wrong? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is to make to make those assumptions 
before we make it's not an assumption it's the Luton Borough Council report it's not an assumption they're stating that as a fact are you saying that fact is incorrect Uh, no I'm not disputing that at all so you're saying saying you are aware then that 20 children died of genetic deficiencies caused by cousins marrying you're aware of that then as a fact yeah absolutely that's that's what the report says however 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 Lee the thing is when you start looking at uh, 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 mortality overall you've got to be aware one in one in five do die uh, of genetic or hereditary uh, 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 caused by cousins marrying currently yeah right. however okay four, so if we accept that if we accept that that 20 children died over two years because of cousins marrying we finally got that if we accept that that's yeah, 20 no. children too many isn't it that's well, 20 it, children too many if we can stop that then we should stop it shouldn't we yeah, of course, of course. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. So how do we... We've got 30 seconds. How do we stop it? Well, we need to educate people. We need to make sure that they, they are aware. Or if there's a risk, they need to uh, uh, get the tests done. They need to make sure that if they're carrying this weak gene... And, uh, uh, and and if, if um, they think that the other person Councillor, has uh, also we could use... I'm sorry to interrupt, I've got to hit the travel. Councillor and Sha- uh, Aslam Khan and Shafkat Nabi, stay there for a second. I do want to come back to this. Um, before we do that, though, it's 7.48, very, very late. Let's get the travel with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. For a good debate, the travel can always wait a little bit. The A6, we've just had a call from Ray at the turning for the Bartonley Clay Bypass, the roundabout there. There's been an accident with a motorbike and two cars involved. It's looking very busy already, said Ray. At the A1, looking slow southbound between Eaton Soken and the Black Cat roundabout. A1M busy from Stevenage to Hitchin, mainly on the southbound side. And again, the A1, as you get into London, Stirling Corners to Mill Hill Circus, expect queues. M1, delays from Flittick to Redbourne, junction 12 to 9. M25, we've still got that problem clockwise, lane closed on the exit slip at Enfield because of a broken down lorry. Anti-clockwise slow from the M1 to Watford and Chorleywood to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, we're jumping forward a little bit. Let's go and get the latest weather news, shall we? Kate, what's happening in the weather? Well, it's going to be a sunny day again today. A really lovely day to get outside and enjoy it. Temperatures getting up to 22 Celsius. That's 72 degrees in Fahrenheit. But it's set to change overnight. More in the way of cloud from midnight. Outbreaks of rain towards dawn and a minimum temperature of 7 Celsius. That's your forecast. OK, thank you very much indeed. Right, 7.49. We'll return to that discussion with uh, Councillor Aslam Khan and Shafkat Nabi. Uh, but before that, here are the headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton police are appealing for witnesses to the 13th gun-related incident in the town this year. A 19-year-old man has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth on Sunday. And coming up before eight, if we manage to squeeze it in, is it hypocritical to go to church just for weddings? I suspect we may be pushing that a little bit after eight, as we'll continue the discussion on cousins marrying and the effect it possibly has on the children. If you want to have your say, 08459 455 555. Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS Show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS Show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. It could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the 
same for you. It took one phone call from yourselves, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, well, it has been a debate that's gone on for a few days, and 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 more and more of you seem to be interested. If you want to have your say now on cousins marrying and uh, the potential dangers that it, it can have uh, in having children, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Joined uh, by Luton Borough Councillor Aslam Khan and also Shafkat Nabi, who got in touch with us. Uh, Shafkat, you, you you were telling us that your sister married a cousin and has um, uh, one daughter who suffers from a degenerative disease, and hopefully the two boys, uh, as far as we know at the moment, are fine. When you hear uh, Aslam, uh, Councillor Aslam Khan, talking like this, Shafkat, how does it make you feel? Okay, I mean, I understand he, he's defending uh, the Pakistani culture and um, Pakistan, and, um, you know, it's something that's been in our generations for, for ages. And, um, again, I think you probably have to uh, accept the statistics that they, they are saying, uh, giving you a certain message, um, but it's not a, a, like a blanket um, statement that it's going to happen every time to every cousin that marries a cousin. It's something that it still, still happens. It's, still, it, it's low, but it's one too many. Uh, one death too many and I for one definitely want to, want to discourage uh, cousins from married cousins so I mean that's what something that um, in our families uh, the younger men who are getting married are starting to look at a lot of them just don't want to marry inside inside the family Councillor? Yeah, no, I, 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 look, uh, the thing is, at the, uh, at the end of the day, it's not down to me or anyone else uh, uh, to decide who should marry uh, uh, and who sh- they shouldn't marry. But when you start looking at those statistics, you've got to scrutinize them. And for those people who are at a higher risk, uh, um, uh, they need to get some tests done uh, if they want to marry within the cousins um, or, or uh, if anybody else. Uh, I think they need to be quite sure whether they're carrying a weak gene or not. Uh, for me, when you start comparing figures um, in the scientific world, to have a robust study, you need to know what confidence level is, um, whether um, y- 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 they've applied the uh, numbers to treat ratio. There's a lot of things that you need to consider before you start making scientific conclusions. And for me, for any studies, uh, there are there will be scrutinising. Why are you not? Just to say that there is. Oh, hang on, yeah. Shafkat, you want to come in? Yeah, I think studies, um, studies are studies. Okay, I mean, if you look at the overall picture, I think it definitely. I think, Mr. Aslam, you'd agree with me that it is something that should be discouraged because um, it's happening more and more. A lot of families do have uh, some strange conditions in their families starting to appear now, and um, it's just common sense that we say, look, there's even if uh, we can't uh, absolutely 100 percent prove the case there is something there that's uh, worrying us and troubling us and that's the message i think that we need to like you rightly said uh, mr aslam is to educate the people and say look before you go about doing these things then definitely um have a have a blood test but i also think in terms of community i think there's things further afield than just this issue of uh, having uh, the risk of disabled children i think it's a question of you know building stronger communities by um you know integrating more families and creating more diversity councillor according to shafkat says it's common sense cousins marrying cousins should be discouraged discouraged you agree with that councillor well, um, I, to, to be honest, um, I think for any culture to change, it, it takes a, a, a long while. But do you think it should be discouraged, as Shafkat uh, suggests? Well, no, I, 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 for, like I said to you, people need to have uh, inform uh, to make informed decisions. They need to be educated. Okay. If they're at risk, they need to uh, um, have a test done. Do you think it should be discouraged? Yes or no? 
Well, for, it's not for me to make that. Well, decision. as a, as a counsellor, as a person, in, to... as a person in a position of responsibility that people look up to, you you, you can <laughs> help change opinions. Simple question: Yes or no? Do you think marrying cousins should be discouraged? Well, I think it's an option for people, and if they're so at no. higher risk, if they're at higher risk, then they need to look at this quite seriously. Because uh, so no, you don't think it should be discouraged, though. Well, I, it's not for me to... Uh, so, no, you don't. It's a yes or no. The statistics are out there in front of them. You're at risk. Okay. Uh, but you don't, you don't think they should be... Dis- you don't think cousins should be discouraged from marrying? Well, uh, look, it's, we live in a free world. If, if it was... Uh, it's not uh, against the law, and the Department of Health haven't issued a warning, if there was a huge risk uh, to people's health... A fifth, a fifth, of, health kids, a fifth of kids dying, is, is I would suggest, look, is significant. Of people are dying. There's four in uh, five children are also dying for other reasons. OK, but if okay. this is a reason that we can, we can stop, this is a reason we can stop one out of those five children dying, that's got to be great, isn't it, if we discourage that happening? Well, people need to be educated, and people need they do. to know what the risks are. I, I, I want to bring in Jamal. Jamal is uh, calling. Good morning, Jamal. Uh, morning, sir. Yeah, what, what's, what's your take on this? I, my issue is they should be discouraged, because it's not only genetic modifier. Even if they're having a mental illness, if there is mental illness on the family, it will, it will spray. It will never go out of the family. Yeah. Jamal, the line's not great. I think we got the point there. M- mental illness, uh, the councillor Asim Khan, that, that that can be passed down as well through through uh, the families. Well, there's a lot of illnesses which could be passed down, and uh, even, for example, the infectious diseases, a lot of other things could be passed. So that's why you've got to be very careful, and you've got to know, um, and people need to be aware uh, of their own health and uh, the risk they may be in any case. And for me as a councillor, what I would want is the, the, the community to uh, take ownership of their health, know exactly uh, what they're doing, uh, they need to research, uh, they need to get some tests done if they're going to marry within cousins. And what, uh, what I would like to say is that it's not for me in a free country to dis- uh, to tell people who to marry and who not to marry. So you think it's acceptable? You, you, you wouldn't like to take this opportunity to discourage people from, from, from marrying their cousin and having children with their cousin? Well, all I would say is that people need to uh, know exactly okay. they care, if they're carrying a weak gene, they are at higher risk. So Fine, very, very, very quickly, because we are running out of time, and I appreciate both of you coming on and giving us your time. Last week, uh, Councillor, we spoke to a gentleman called Mohammed, who um, said that if uh, um, the couples love each other, then their children will be healthy, and if the cousins dislike each other, as, as can happen sometimes, uh, the children will be uh, disabled or, or stand a, gr- a higher chance of being disabled or, or dying young. When you hear things like that, how does that make you feel? Uh, I, I think uh, there's no uh, science or evidence behind that, so I think people need to... Uh, does it worry you when you hear things like that? Uh, uh, it, it does, it does, because um, people don't know the risks are involved, so I think people need to start looking at, particularly if they're at risk, uh, they need to start knowing... Uh, they need to start uh, getting some uh, evidence and tests, and you know they need okay. they need to take a bit more ownership. Shafkat, we've got last thirty seconds over to you. What would you like to say, sir? I would just uh, like that we need to get some more awareness, especially amongst the youth, that if there is a trait of uh, family problems, uh, health problems, then uh, be 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 very very careful. Shafkat Nabi, thank you very much for getting in touch uh, with us and uh, Councillor Aslam Khan. I appreciate you coming on this morning. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. And uh, the reason we're talking about it today is because Shafkat sent us an email saying, I heard your, your, your talk on Thursday. I've got a little bit of um, 
I've got a personal connection with this story. So if you do want to get in touch with us, you can do. Ian.Lee at bbc.co.uk. If it's something that we, we've talked about, you want to have your say on, even if it's after the show. If we think your, your point is strong enough, we'll get back in touch. Or if you have a story that you think we should be doing, you can send me an email. Right, travel news now. Here's Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's still pretty slow at the Black Cat Roundabout. The A1's looking busy. The A421 from Bedford up toward there is looking slow as well. The A6 at Barton Clay, we've got these reports of queuing traffic, partial blockage because of an accident with a motorbike and two cars involved at the junction with Luton Road, just by the start of the Barton Bypass. It was Ray who called in with that one. Speed sensors aren't picking up too many delays at the minute, so if anyone else is stuck in that, please do call us 08459 A41 down towards the M25 at Kings Langley is slow. M25 itself, busy from the M1 to Watford, then after a small bit where it moves quite well, it gets slow again from Chorleywood to the M40. Clockwise looking busy this morning as well from Junction 22 at London Coney to 24 at Potter's Bar, so heading into the roadworks. And clockwise, the exit slip at Junction 25 Enfield still has a broken down lorry, but it's being recovered right now. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up in the next hour, we'll be talking to the police about what they're doing to stop the gun crime in Luton. Is it enough? Here's the news with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines, 13th shooting in Luton, Jimmy Tarbuck arrested and victory for Ronnie O'Sullivan. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night. Laura Miller has the details. Shortly after 9 o'clock, a motorcyclist shot at the occupants of a black BMW. He missed and the car gave chase. The bike then hit two unconnected vehicles and the rider came off and escaped on foot. Roads around Fountains Road, New Bedford Road, and Culverhouse Road were closed until yesterday afternoon whilst forensic evidence was collected. This is the 13th gun-related incident in Luton this year. More on this in the next hour with Ian Lee. A teenager's been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. 19-year-old Nathan Rutter from Maple Cross also faces a second charge of dangerous driving. The incident happened on Uxbridge Road shortly after midnight on Sunday. A 23-year-old woman from Sarratt was arrested in connection with the investigation but has been released without charge. The 27-year-old victim remains in a serious condition in hospital. The comedian Jimmy Tarbuck's been arrested over an alleged sexual assault on a young boy in the 1970s. He's being questioned by detectives from North Yorkshire Police who are acting on information from the Metropolitan Police. Police in the United States say three women who've been missing for up to 12 years have been found alive at a house in Cleveland, Ohio. Police were called to the building after neighbours heard screams and raised the alarm. A 52-year-old man's been arrested. Jane Little reports. Their cases made national headlines and they were sought for years. Now Amanda Berry, Gina De Jesus, and Michelle Knight, who went missing at different times in Cleveland, Ohio, have been found in one house. It's believed Michelle Knight was 20 when she disappeared 12 years ago. In 2003, Amanda Berry was 16. She was last heard from when she called her sister, saying she had a ride home from her job at a fast food chain. A year later, Gina De Jesus, then 14, went missing on her way home from school. 
The former Chancellor Lord Lawson has become the most senior Conservative to say he'll vote for Britain to leave the European Union if a referendum's held. In a newspaper article, he says the EU is past its sell-by date and that the case for Britain's exit is clear. A new report has found the best place to be a mother is Finland. The research by charity Save the Children ranked countries according to several factors, including death rates among recent mothers and children and education. The UK, where mortality rates are higher than many other European countries, comes 23rd on the list. In sport at the World Snooker Championship in Sheffield, Ronnie O'Sullivan beat Barry Hawkins by 18 frames to 12 to retain his world title at the Crucible. It was O'Sullivan's fifth world crown and he's the first player to defend the trophy since Stephen Hendry back in 1996. The weather mostly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius. That's 72 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Morning, dear listener, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Where have you been for the first two hours of the show? I'm here every weekday morning between six and nine. Oh, and the last 30 minutes, oh, it kicked off. It kicked off. Go and listen again on the iPlayer after the show, please. JBS is back at nine o'clock. He'll pop in in about, oh, I don't know, 12 minutes or so and let us know what's happening on his show. But between now and nine, lots to talk about, including... There's been another shooting in Luton. It's the 13th this year. Well, next I'll be speaking to a former gang member to find out what he thinks can be done to discourage young people from getting into gun crime. And before nine o'clock, Bedfordshire Police will be joining me. What do you want to ask them? What do you want to tell them? How do you think they should be handling the gun crime in Luton? 08459 455 555. At what age should you let kids try alcohol? A new campaign is starting in Hertfordshire to encourage parents to talk to kids more about it. And is there anything wrong in just going to the church for weddings, funerals or at Christmas? The Church of England says it's finally seeing a levelling off in the long decline in Anglican church going. And more of us are going for special occasions. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on it, please. Best way to get in touch uh, is to give me a phone call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Peace rally on Sunday. A few hours after it, there was another gun related incident. The 13th in Luton this year. Well, police have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night in Culverhouse Road. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been back there this morning. Justin, you were there yesterday when the road mm. was um, still cordoned off. What's it like there now? Uh, it's a very different scene to yesterday morning, and that's for sure. The police cordon and the forensic unit, they've now gone. The road is now fully reopened. I spoke to this man earlier this morning who doesn't wish to be named. Now, the shooting happened directly outside his house, and he's been describing events on Sunday. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I was actually in my living room sitting with my family and stuff, and um, I heard a couple of shots, like I was like a lad, lad bang and stuff. I looked outside and uh, couldn't really see much, and all of a sudden there was all police in that around, and uh, they kind of cordoned off the road and stuff. But this isn't the first time it's happened. I think in the last couple of weeks, I think this is the second time that it's happened. And um, I mean, I've got two little kids, and um, I mean, I'll be at work most of the time, and I mean, I'm telling my missus that, you know what, it's not safe to come out because it's just, uh, 
exactly just not what to expect. So you're actually telling your wife now not yeah. to leave the house? Yeah, not to leave the house now until basically we know exactly what's happening and uh, it's not safe to come out, basically. Although you say that there's been a couple of incidents here recently, mm. you are really shocked because this happened directly outside your house. I mean, the first time they happened, it was around about two in the morning and this has been like, I mean, I was asleep with my family and stuff and uh, it was like very disturbing because uh, we just didn't know what was happening. And it's not nice when you're sleeping in the middle of the night and you're having to hear like um, gunshots when you find out later on that that's what it was. So bearing in mind what you're saying, you must now be thinking about leaving this road, surely? No, that's something that I should discuss with my partner and uh, we are actually considering that. It's because this used to be a very good area, but um, I mean, it's, it's not even that. I mean, once the incident happens and it's all kind of like um, the dust has settled and stuff, it's just that you still get crowds of guys that just stick around and... It's like a traffic jam. I mean, you get cars constantly just driving up and down, and it's just, it's not pleasant anymore. It's not, it's not the kind of environment that you want to bring up your family, you know? It's the 13th shooting in Luton this year. Just lastly, do you think it's, it's too late now for Luton to turn itself around, bearing in mind it's the 13th this year alone? No, I don't think it's too late. I just think basically it's just they need to get to the bottom of it as into what's causing it and stuff. And uh, no, I don't think it, I, I, I think they can basically, something can be done about it, but it's just that the, the root of the problem is what they need to tackle. And once they do that, I'm sure it can be how it used to be. But when you first lived here, never in a million years, did you think you'd be hearing gunshots directly no, outside your no, window? No, 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 definitely not, definitely not. I mean, it's like, um, it's, it's happening in, in a, at random times where, do you know what I mean, you could be out with your family and stuff and someone could just drive by and just, your family could be at risk, you know? So it's, it's not nice. Well, Justin, the question you've been asking people this morning is, do they feel safe in Luton? And if anyone wants to give us a call in, let us know either way. 08459 455 555. What have people been saying to you? Well, you've heard that terrifying story there from that man. He lives down Culverhouse Road. Now, what I haven't done, I haven't been back there to ask this question about how safe people feel, because clearly, if a shooting has happened down your road, the chances are you are going to feel very unsafe, because that incident, of course, is fresh. So what I've done, I've come into Luton Town Centre. Most people do not feel safe to be fair I've been asking them that very question and this is what people have had to say Can you tell us how safe you feel in Luton? A bit scared, fighting sometimes scared to go out at night time and sometimes you think about your kids going out, especially teenagers all my kids are growing up so it's still worry about them plus I've got um, grandkids a bit younger but yeah I do feel unsafe going out is you are scared. So you've lived in Luton for five years. How safe do you feel here? Not safe at all. It's a horrible place. Is it really that bad? Yes. Vanessa, we're asking people this morning how safe they feel in Luton. How safe do you feel here in the town? Yeah, I feel pretty safe, but as I say, you've got to be careful about what's, who's around you, because you never know who you're with anyway, and it just takes one split second for someone to go mad or just to do something that's not explainable as to why they've done it. But, like, we travel a lot and we see it all over, the, like, in the States and that, and they do have a lot more gun crime out there. And it has come over here, but it's just isolated cases that happen. Sometimes they get blown up out of proportion and you've just got to be careful about what you go, where you go, who you go with and what you see around you and just have your wits about you, really. Let's have a final word for yourself, madam. You live very near to Culverhouse Road in Luton. How safe do you feel in the town? I don't feel safe at all. Um, I wouldn't go out after a certain time at night. Even during the day, you don't feel safe. Um, I don't think it's the town so much that's changed. I think it's people that have changed the town. And unfortunately, um, 
Yeah, Luton is not very safe anymore. Well, that was Justin speaking to the residents of Luton. Joining me now is Chris Preddy, who is from the charity Make Dreams a Reality, an organisation which educates teens about the effects and dangers of gun crime. Morning, Chris. Morning. Chris, you, you are a former gang member yourself. What kind of stuff did you get up to in a gang? Well, this is this is what I've been hearing from a lot of people when they've been doing their talks. I don't think it was that enhanced when I was growing up, as in what gangs really, really are. Um, I think a lot of the times young people are hanging out outside their area, outside their flats, and it starts to get to a stage where, you know, if a young person's on the street, they're going to start finding things, what can we do? We do, and these are the times when, at a young age, these are the things that we need to be tackling. Make sure there's youth clubs, make sure there's trips, make sure there's personal advisors that's, and also mentors that's out on their states talking to these young people so they don't get there to go and do something in the sense of crime. How did you get yourself out of uh, your gang and, and away from that world? In the sense of away from a lot of things that young people go up to these days and the way that you get out of it is you've just got to come with a sense of, you know, you've got to want to do it. You can't allow someone to stop doing what they're doing or feel that they have to stop what they're doing because within young people, sometimes they don't know what they're doing is sometimes wrong or sometimes even right. So I say to myself, like, it's like, if I said to you, um, stop eating bread, you like bread. Whoa, like, Chris, back away from the bread, man. Come on. Do you, do you know what I mean? You yeah, love exactly. bread, you love sandwiches, you love your toast and everything. So I need to tell you to stop eating that personal bread and try another bread, which is going to be much better for you. And that's what it is now enough for the young people sometimes. It's not saying to them, just stop come off the streets or come off the um, the area your house stay in your house and you're going to be fine and that's something that we need to start saying to young people that it doesn't just work that easily Chris when you were in gangs I don't know how long ago this was were you involved in guns or are you surprised by the way things have developed in the last few years I'm definitely surprised and when I was like I said when I was growing up it was never really as harsh as that I think um one of the one of the things when I was growing up the gun and a knife was still one of those rare things like he's got a gun it was really really like a big thing I think now for the young people is getting to a stage where it's coming like second nature you speak to a lot of young people and they sometimes not enough feel threatened and that's the reason why a lot of people are holding guns a lot of people are holding knives because they feel if they don't have something to protect themselves with then they be- could become a victim in knife crime or gun crime is a lot of this to do with i'm, I'm just i haven't got a clue i'm just guessing it is it a lot of it to do with not having positive role models for some of these people when I they're growing up Definitely, sometimes it comes down to that. comes down to that. For a lot of the cases with males, um, I feel like a lot of times when I speak to young people, especially a lot of the males, don't have male role models or father figures or brother figures. It's showing them a guide them in the right way sometimes. So yeah, I definitely think there's a lack of role models for the young people today. And uh, Luton, thirteen gun crimes this year alone, and, and people are getting worried. What? What should what should the police be doing, for example? We're speaking to the police a little bit later on in the show. What should the police be doing to kind of change this and, and change the attitude? Well, I think they I think they would be doing stuff as it is now, but I think what needs to be done is going into the areas. I heard a couple of other people that was in the same that they wasn't comfortable in the area and didn't feel safe and this is when now the police need to step up, go to door to door and reassure the the residents and also the community that it's getting dealt with and at the same time it takes also them to help the police as well for anything they see, if anything they hear. And it's just about working together within the community now and just making sure that, you know, everybody's safe and all the young 
safe and, and we're doing the right procedures to, to take it forward and to solving that issue. And I think it's in every area. I think a lot of people always see it as in a sense of, because it's quite low and it's quite a little bit out and it's quite... But at the same time, it gets to a stage where, you know, you could be anywhere around mm. London, you can be anywhere in the UK, and someone's going to kick off. So it's getting to a stage now where it's just like, how do we tackle it in general? Not even the sense of because it's Luton or because it's Manchester or because it's Liverpool. How do, we, how do we tackle it in general? Chris, I appreciate your time this morning. That's Chris Preddy uh, from the charity Make Dreams a uh, Reality. Interesting what he said there about the police knocking on doors and saying, don't worry, we're, we're looking at this. Don't worry, we're doing everything we can. I wonder if the police are doing that. Surely there needs to be, at times like this, when you've heard the people that Justin spoke to, and, and those would have been random people, you wouldn't have set them up, saying they are scared to be in Luton. Surely it's obvious that the police need to be seen a bit more. I'm trying to think the last time I was walking through Luton when I saw a copper. I'm trying to think, I can't think. The police need to be seen, and I suggest they need, need to do something pretty damned hard for the next month, next six weeks. Roadblocks. Stop and search. Stop cars. Have a look in cars. Step out of the car, sir. Can we check your boots? Can we check under your seat? Surely they need to do that, don't they? Well, we'll be speaking to the police a little bit later on uh, in the show if you've uh, got any points you want to put to them. Here's an email. One email at random I've just got in front of me. Rain Luton. The police in town don't do enough. On Sunday afternoon, a bank holiday weekend, where were the police? In Riddy Lane. Two of them with a speed camera gun. Right time, right place, good use of resources... Asks Ray. 08459 455 555. Right, 815. It's a feisty show this morning, isn't it? Like it, it's feisty. Here's Adam. He's feisty and sexy. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. I shall have to note that down somewhere. Maybe put that on my headstone when I go. At the A1 southbound, we've got queuing traffic still at the St Neots Junction from there through to the Black Cat Roundabout. Really busy. A6 at Barton and Clay. We had the call from Ray earlier saying that there was an accident with a motorbike and two cars involved on the roundabout at the Barton Bypass. At the minute, it looks like it's moving reasonably well, so there's a possibility that that might have cleared, but if anyone's in the area, please, please do give us a call with an update on that. The A1M is looking delayed from Hitchin through to Stevenage, Junction 8 to 7. A1, as you get in toward London, Borehamwood queues from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Southbound M1 this morning, there are long delays between Flittick and Redbourne. It's taking about 40 minutes to get through from those two junctions. Anti-clockwise M25 stop-start from the M1 to Watford, then Chorleywood to the M40. Clockwise, it's taking about 20 minutes to get through the section with the roadworks at the minute. Junction 22 at London Coney to 24 at Potter's Bar looking busy. Heavy on the M40 from Stoke and Church to High Wycombe and the A41 is queuing toward the M25 at Junction 20. Trains across the three counties so far this morning running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Adam. Right, it's 8.17. It's uh, Tuesday the 7th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night. A teenager has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. In sport, Ronnie O'Sullivan has become the first man since Stephen... He- Stephen Hendry! What happened to Stephen Hendry in 1996 to success- successfully defend the World Snooker Championship? The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, mostly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 22 degrees. Coming up before 8.30. Is it hypocritical to go to church just for weddings, funerals or at Christmas? Well, the Church of England says it's finally seeing a levelling off in the long decline in Anglican church going. And more of us are going for special occasions. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. That wasn't just that wasn't just interpretive dance as you normally perform at the end of those jingles, JVS. That was body popping. Yes, it was like, I, c- I can pop. I felt like I felt an electric boogaloo. It's like 1986. So that's just stretching what you're doing there. <laughs> There's no popping unless it's your shoulders clicking. No, I can't really pop. Did you have a nice bank holiday? I had a beautiful bank holiday. How was your your barbecue that I wasn't invited to? It was uh, very luxurious, mm. actually. To be honest, yeah. I burned it. Oh really? I've always I've always taken great pride in the fact that when I do a barbecue, yep. I I don't do it as many people do. Mm. I kind of cook it nicely. I'm not one of those people who microwaves everything first and they just pop it on at the end. Oh, that's I hate those idiots. Oh, I just don't see the point. You know, if you're going to cook it on the barbecue, cook it on the barbecue properly yes. until it's cooked all the way through. But the trouble is, I turned my back for two minutes. Oh. When I came back, my thighs were on fire. Literally, they were on fire. So I then had to subtly... I'm standing there at the barbecue with a knife and a fork, and I'm subtly trying to scrape the black black off. Oh, dear. (laughs) 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 In some ways, I'm glad I wasn't invited. Yeah. When you say you do it properly, I'm assuming that means you don't have a gas barbecue. No, no, no. You you have have proper coals. Really? Oh, yes. A bit of lighter fluid on there. No, I buy these bags. You just set fire to the bag, and the whole thing goes poof. And uh, before you know it, you've got lovely grey coals. Whose um, catchphrase was that? Piff, puff, puff. Who was that? The Great Soprendo. Great Soprendo. Married to Victoria Wood for, for some time. Is he not anymore? I don't think so. Really? Yes. I, I, uh, yes, I heard they separated. Oh, really? <laughs> that's, that's what I heard, yes. Right, gosh. That's what I heard. Okay. Nice to have you um, back. Always, although, again, I've, just be careful. Tim is excellent. He is. Do you, do you want me to go? Is that the uh, is that the truth? You want me to go? I'm going to do something that uh, councillors don't do when they come on this show. I'm going to give you a direct answer. <coughs> yes, I do. It's not very nice. Well, is it? no, I, I just I don't want to sit on the. No, I don't want. I you... thought we were friends. No, 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 no. You're not trying at all. to just get me out. Yes, I think Tim is excellent, and I'm going to start a campaign. I'm going to start a Facebook group. Get Tim on the JVS show slot more until jvs show is not it's the tim show so what do you want to happen to me then let's take this through to its natural conclusion um scrap heap no listen very unkind i believe that heart have got a nighttime slot (laughs) 11 till 1 a.m i believe that's (laughs) that's pretty yeah i i'd be perfect on that wouldn't i really (laughs) i can't imagine you jocking here's daft punk Right, <laughs> let me see what you've got, because I messed this up terribly yesterday. No, this is oh, all right, this is all right, we're we continuing go. something you've been talking about. We can go, yes. Uh, is there anything wrong with letting children try alcohol? That's what we'll discuss this morning from Nine. As you've been discussing, a Hertfordshire campaign group, which promotes the sensible use of alcohol, says it wants to encourage more parents and carers to talk about alcohol to children as young as eight. A recent survey found that only 20% of those asked discussed the subject with youngsters before they became involved with drinking. Well, I want to hear your views from Nine. Is there anything wrong with letting children try alcohol? I, uh, I'll level with you. I had to have my stomach pump when I was six. Why are you laughing? 
I had to have my stomach pump when I was six, and I also had to be rescued by a lifeguard from the swimming pool on the uh, after the canvas holidays welcome barbecue. You were... I was 12. Right, yes. And unfortunately, the non-alcoholic punch was actually pretty potent stuff. And I threw myself in the swimming pool, lost the ability to move my limbs. Had to be rescued. So, as a child, I certainly had a number of experiences with alcohol. But is there anything wrong with letting children try alcohol? From nine this morning, I want to hear... Are you crying? I want to hear your views... 08459 four double five five double five. My parents, the, the time when I had my stomach pumped, it was at St Albans, still had an A&E, and they had to push me in my brother's pushchair, because I couldn't walk. Paralytic I was. <laughs> and they pushed me into... Uh, <laughs> all these rugby players with broken arms... Wheeled me in. It was like Arthur arriving. Get out of my studio, please. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. There we go. That's the quote of a day. Uh, quote of the day. JVS describing his six-year-old drunken self being pushed in a, a, a buggy to hospital. It was like Arthur arriving. Now, the Church of England is celebrating this morning after figures show their attendance is levelling off after a long decline in church going. And more of us are going at Christmas. There's also been a marked growth in baptism. Well, I'm joined now by the uh, Reverend Jenny Mills, the Minister at United Reformed Church in Newport Pagnell, and also Ian Smith from the Bedfordshire Humanist Society. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Ian, listen, I'm not particularly religious, uh, uh, but I like going to church. I go for Christmas sometimes. I go if I'm a bit bored on a Sunday. It's quite nice to go to church, isn't it? It is. I I mean, a lot of people do go to church because they just like the... uh, you know, the social bit uh, and a good sing-song. And, and I don't see anything wrong in that at all. It's the bit that you've been sort of trailing a little bit uh, about having to get your, your name down for the, the faith schools where it gets a bit insidious, really, isn't it? And, Jenny, that does happen, doesn't it? I, I know of two families where they uh, go to church semi-regularly and had their kids baptised because they wanted to get them into a, into a good school. Yeah, sadly that does happen, but um, I think what we have to do uh, as churches is be aware that that God would work uh, through all different ways of going to church and all different ways of engaging with things that go on in the church. And whilst um, a few people do that, uh, I'd like to think that the majority go because, as you say, they find something there that they don't find anywhere else. Ian? Uh, well, it, I, I think actually, I mean, it's an intriguing problem, but it is stretching credulity a little, isn't it, that that we've got belief is in long-term catastrophic decline it really is well supported by the figures uh, and yet we're, we're expected to believe that church attendance is stable or someone seems to think it's ticking up slightly i mean nothing about this this adds up I and mean, if you look at church attendance 1950 to 1980 it halved 1980 to 2005 so that was 30 years 1980 to 2005 only 25 years it halved again uh it, it's it's just in terminal decline, and the idea that people are suddenly finding religion and popping off to church, I'm afraid, is just... Uh, I think what's, um, what is declining, or what, what is being counted as decline, is, is church attendance in, in uh, traditional established churches. I think uh, that, that uh, what you're not allowing for, or what is not being allowed for uh, in those figures, and I think this happens in, in all churches, but possibly in all organisations, 
um, but particularly in churches, is we're not allowing for things called like fresh expressions, new ways of being church. And so because we still often count the Sunday morning congregation, we're not taking into consideration the other ways in which people are engaging in church. And so there's things like cafe church and pub church, and there's sort of parent and toddler worship, uh, and different, different ways of being church rather than just a formal Sunday morning or Christmas and Easter. Um, and I think what we are seeing is a, is a developing awareness of, of belief and, and faith. And I think what's happened is, is the, the more difficult life becomes, the more we search for an answer. And I think that this is um, more recently as we've got the financial crisis, we've got people feeling quite demoralized about things. You look for a hope, you look for a community, and people are beginning to find that in church, I think. I think um, if, if you do look at, at what you've just said, that you know, you, you're, you're measuring the, the, the Sunday attendance. In fact, you're not actually measuring Sunday attendance anymore. What you're measuring is monthly attendance. Uh, and in, the, I think, the year 2000, you switched from measuring weekly attendance uh, to monthly attendance. And that, at a stroke, doubled your church attendance figures. So the figures that are being published today, we ought to be halving. If but we you're actually, still, but if, you're if, still if, looking at traditional sort of Sunday congregations as opposed to new ways of being church as well. And I think I just think that people are looking for a, a, an answer and a belief, and I think there are many people who have um, perhaps a latent uh, a belief of faith that they are searching for um, a, a place uh, that, that, that gives them the... Um, gives them the help they need to help that. Ian, well. Jenny makes a good church, point. The, the new ways of being church are enabling that. And so pe- the churches are now realising that people need something that is relevant to where they are, and the church is responding, and I think that's why we're seeing um, they, we're seeing this uh, levelling off of decline. Sorry to interrupt. She do, Jenny does make a good point, doesn't she, that, that, that there is a, a kind of a spiritual malaise at the moment, you know, that we're all so obsessed with things that, 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 that we are spiritually bankrupt at the moment, aren't we? Um, well, that's interesting. Um, I, I, I don't accept that at all. I think most people are now beginning to realise that, that spirituality isn't going to church. and, and you know, No, but it, it can come from that, can't it, for some people? Go again. It, 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 can, it, it isn't necessarily going to church, you're right, but it, it, it can stem from that for some people, can't it? Can, it? But, I mean, churches are now looking around and they're looking at Reiki practitioners and saying, oh, these people are searching for something spiritual. And that, that's nonsense. You know, I'm not, I, have, I have, you know, spiritual experiences listening to, to Elgar's cello concerto. And so do many people who go to church. Many people who, uh, I think you're right, it's about spirituality. It's about developing who we are. It's about looking for a meaning in life. And different people find their, their, their way of connecting with something beyond themselves through different ways. It just so happens that in churches there is often a peace there's often a, a, a community. There's a, there's a community of all ages, which in, in, in this day and age is, is kind of rare to get, you know, from babies all the way up through to um, old people. You get the, the whole community working together. And I think what is happening at the moment is people are searching for a community. We've seen that in the last 12 months with the, the Olympics and the Jubilee. And people are wanting to come together in community, and some people are finding that in churches. And I think what churches are doing more and more is they're engaging with people and they're finding more effective ways to engage with them. And if we can get the message of Christmas across, we can get the message of Easter, then we allow for God to, to, to work with people. Our, our job as churches, or our role as churches, is to raise people's awareness of God's love. And, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're not, we're, you know, we allow for God to, to work with that. 
And I think that's what's not what we're seeing happening at the moment. We have to end it there. It's a fascinating discussion. I could talk about this all morning. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get you both on again at, at a later date to discuss that. The last voice you heard there was the Reverend Jenny Mills, Minister at United Reformed Church in Newport Pagnell. And the gentleman was Ian Smith from the Bedfordshire Humanist Society. Hello, 08459 455 555 if you want to have your say on that. Right, let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. It looks like things have improved now, the A6 at Barton Leclay. We haven't had any recent updates. Ray did tell us about an accident earlier at the start of the Barton Bypass, but speed sensors suggesting it's moving better now, so it could possibly be clear. If you have any updates, though, please do call 08459 455 555. Now, we just had a call from Dave in Luton about the Sunderland Park Bridge in Luton. Apparently, there's been an accident and it is looking quite busy, so that could be one to avoid if at all possible. A1 still slow from St Neots to the Black Cat Roundabout. The M1 very busy this morning from Junction 13 at Bedford through to 9 at Redbourne, taking you the best part of an hour to get through there. Anti-clockwise M25 slow from the M1 to the M4. Now it's one big patch of slow-moving traffic. Clockwise, you've got delays going into the roadworks. London Coney through to Potter's Bar, Junction 22 to 24. We've also got that problem clockwise on the exit slip road at Enfield. A broken-down lorry is being recovered right now. London-bound M40 heavy from Stoke and Church to High Wycombe. The A1M is getting even slower. Letchworth to Stevenage Junction 9 to 7 is where it's busiest right now. And disruption for First Capital Connect between Finsbury Park and Moorgate. They've got a train fault. Some services are going to divert into King's Cross, meaning they'll miss all stations between Finsbury Park and Moorgate. Others will be starting and terminating at Finsbury Park. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. I've just been sent a prayer for BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I'm not sure what effect it'll have, but um, well, maybe we'll get uh, Paul Scoynes to read it out later on. Right, 8.31, here's the news and sport. Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Police in Luton have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night. A teenager has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. And the comedian Jimmy Tarbuck's been arrested over an alleged sexual assault on a young boy in the 1970s. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ronnie O'Sullivan has become the first player in 17 years to win back-to-back World Snooker Championships. He's won the title for a fifth time after an 18-12 win over Barry Hawkins, as Philip Studd reports. O'Sullivan's skills never cease to amaze. To have retained the title for the first time a year after he became the oldest world champion since Ray Reardon, to have done it following 12 months on the sidelines, and to have pulled it off in such style, takes some believing. O'Sullivan never lost a session. Whenever an opponent produced something good, he came up with something better. It takes two to make a great final, and this was one of the best in living memory. Barry Hawkins' form was a revelation. He couldn't have played much better, but he had the misfortune to be facing surely the greatest snooker player the game has ever seen. In the Premier League, Sunderland came from behind with 10 men to draw one all against Stoke City. The point takes Sunderland up to two places to 15th above Newcastle and Norwich. Manager Paolo Di Canyon thought his side deserved more. In the second half, there was only one team, in my opinion. I don't want to exaggerate, but I think we fully deserve not only the point, probably more from this game. I'm very pleased because obviously after the sending off, uh, we were in trouble. Tonight, both FA Cup finalists are in league action with Manchester City hosting West Brom and Wigan at home to Swansea. Both of those games kick off at a quarter to eight. City manager Roberto Mancini can afford to rotate his squad ahead of the Wembley showpiece, but Wigan boss Roberto Martinez is expected to field his strongest side as victory in his 150th game in charge will lift them out of the relegation zone. 
Brentford are through to League One playoff final after beating Swindon on penalties just over a week after they missed one that would have taken them automatically. They'll play Yeovil Town, who beat Sheffield United 2-1 on aggregate. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning here until nine o'clock, then it's JVS. Coming up, at what age did you first try alcohol and when would you give it to your kids? Well, according to research, 80% of parents and carers would wait until their child was involved with alcohol before bringing up the subject. Well, we sent our reporter Justin Dealey out with a bottle of hooch to see if he could find any eight-year-olds he could pour it down the neck of. I am joking! But he has been out finding out what you think. Uh, and just hours after a peace rally was held in Luton, the town suffered its 13th gun-related incident of the year. Well, police have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night in Culverhouse Road. Chief Superintendent Mark Turner will be joining me on the show. What do you want to know from the police? How do you think they're handling? What would you like to see them do? 08459 455 555 or text 81333. Start your text 3CR. The comedian Jimmy Tarbuck has been arrested over an allegation of child sex abuse dating back to the 1970s. He's been questioned uh, by detectives from North Yorkshire Police and released on bail. Our reporter Simon Thompson has more on this. Simon, what do we know about the circumstances surrounding Mr Tarbuck's arrest? We know, Ian, that Jimmy Tarbuck, who's 73, was questioned by North Yorkshire Police back on April the 26th, although his name hadn't been revealed until the Daily Mail named him last night. It's in relation to an incident which is said to have happened in the late 1970s in Harrogate in North Yorkshire, involving an alleged victim being a young boy. Now, Jimmy Tarbuck's arrest is not part of Operation New Tree, which was set up to investigate the allegations against Jimmy Savile, but is part of a separate investigation following information passed by the Met Police to North Yorkshire Police. And the police have issued a statement, haven't they? What, what does it say? They have a short statement from North Yorkshire Police, which simply confirms many of the facts we already know now, but, but, but confirming that a 73-year-old man was arrested in Kingston-upon-Thames in south-west London on Friday the 26th of April. The complaint relates to an incident that occurred in the late 1970s involving a, an allegation against a young boy. Uh, the man was released on police bail pending further inquiries. Of course, that man now known to be Jimmy Tarbuck, and it would not be appropriate the police say to comment further at this stage. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of the younger people here at Three Counties unaware of Jimmy Tarbuck, but it, it, I remember him. He was a huge TV star, wasn't he? Very much so. I mean, Jimmy Tarbuck has been on our TV screens for the best part of what, half a century. He was born in Liverpool in 1940, actually a classmate of John Lennon. His first TV breakthrough came with It's Tarbuck in the mid-1960s. He's hosted numerous quiz shows, including Winner Takes All and Full Swing, perhaps less on our TV screens than perhaps 15 years ago or so, but still very well-known TV personality. And in fact, in 1994, he was awarded an OBE by the Queen for his services to show business and charity work. And last November, he was appearing in the Royal Variety performance at the Royal Abbott Hall in London. His daughter is, of course, the actress, TV and radio presenter Lisa Tarbuck, and so far there's been no comment from her, from Jimmy Tarbuck, or indeed from his agent. Simon Thompson, thanks very much indeed. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. If you're concerned about um, the events in Luton, uh, 13 gun crime 
incidents in Luton this year alone, another one on Sunday night. Well, I'll be speaking um, to uh, the Chief Superintendent of Beds Police, Mark Turner, at about a quarter to uh, quarter tonight. So if you've got any questions or, or any points or suggestions you'd like to put towards him, uh, could you give me a call? 08459 455 555 or send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. I'm getting angry about this. I'm getting bored of hearing another gun crime, whether it's some idiot firing a gun in a house or someone trying to shoot someone in a car, it, it, it's got to stop, hasn't it? Well, we, we spoke to the Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner, uh, Tafin Sharif, last week. Oh, we're handing out press releases. Oh, right, OK, yeah, that's going to do it, isn't it? It's a press release. What a press release is, it gets sent to people like me and my producer. We get emails. I get about half a dozen every day press releases. Uh, and we look at them and go, ah... Nothing new there. We're not going to do that on the show. There's something in there, but probably not. That's what a press release is. You don't see a press release. We decide whether you get the press releases. Do you think that the police are doing enough? Roadblocks. Random roadblocks. Stop every single car that stops, uh, that, that drives past. Check the boot. Check the, uh, the glove compartment. Check under the seat. Random stop and searches in the streets. It's what you need, isn't it? Is it? Police, we had the, the, the gentleman who used to be in a gang, now helps kids get out of gangs. He said the police should be knocking on doors, trying to uh, assuage people's fears. Assuage, there's a good word, isn't it? Yeah. 08459 555. That's coming up in about seven minutes' time. Now, at what age did you first try a little bit of cheeky booze? And when would you give it to your kids? Well, according to research, 80% of parents and carers would wait until their child was involved with alcohol before bringing up the subject. And only 20% would do it beforehand. Really? Hertfordshire's Alcohol Campaigns Group wants to encourage parents and carers to uh, have the conversation. They say the best time to talk about it is between the ages of 8 and 12, when they're more likely to listen to an adult. Well, we gave our reporter, Justin Daly, a bottle of hooch, and we told him to find some children and see if they'd drink it. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Yeah, it's, of it's morning again. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, cool show today, man. Yeah, <laughs> wicked. <laughs> Why are you doing a stone voice when we're talking yeah, about booze? That's true, actually. The thing yeah. is, I know what you do. I know what you do when you're drunk. Go on, then. You get home at three o'clock in the morning, you wake up your missus and ask her if she wants any uh, cheese... Was it cheese on crump? Uh, che- cheesy crumpy. Oh, I'm going to give myself a cheesy crumpy. It tastes really cheesy and good. What do you think? Has it got potential? I'm thinking Eurovision next year. Where have you? You really have been drinking. Where yes. have you been this morning, Justin? <laughs> I've been in Luton. Uh, for me personally, I was two years old. No, I'm joking. I was about ten or eleven years old when I had my first taste of alcohol, and I honestly think that helped me. I don't think with something like this, there is a right or a wrong answer as to what you're doing as a parent. I've been asking parents in Luton for their views on this this morning, and this is what they've had to say. Angela, you're here this morning with your ten-year-old lad. When would you maybe give him his, his first taste of alcohol? Never if I had my way, but it'd be down to him once he's an adult. I wouldn't give it to him before that. I wouldn't allow it. So you give him nothing before 18 at all? No, nothing at all. Would you not be worried, though, that once he gets to 18, he might go crazy and and go off the rails? Oh, no, I don't think so. I've got two older boys that would uh, keep him in check, I think. (laughs) Gina, when do you think children should be having their first taste of alcohol? Well, it would depend on the individual person, but personally, if they're not allowed into a pub to drink before the age of 18, then they shouldn't drink alcohol until they're 18. So when you had your children, did you not give them any booze at all before they were 18? 
No, I didn't really tell them anything. I mean, they're going to do it behind your back regardless of what you say anyway, so... But then that's just my opinion. But then we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. You've got a three-year-old child. When do you think you might give your child their first taste of alcohol? We never will. We'll never give him that opportunity because it's not good for him. It's, it's going to impair decisions. We'll just... He's, he's a clever boy. He's going to learn the effects of alcohol and he'll learn what's right and what's wrong. And we're Christians, so we just we believe that it's not a good thing to do. So you so. certainly talk to him, but you certainly wouldn't give him any alcohol. That's correct, yeah. Madam, you've got two grown-up children, but in your household, at what age were they first introduced to alcohol, would you say? When they were little, they just used to have a little sip of their dad's drink. And then when they were old enough, they could go out and drink at the right age. Now, when you say when they were little, um, what sort of age are we talking about? For me, it was about probably 10 or 11, the odd sip here or there. Um, how old were your kids? Um, say about 11, 12. Do you think that helped them when they got to 18? It wasn't suddenly th- th- this huge build-up, I can now go out and drink legally. Slowly but surely, they'd built up to that, so they had no problems when they got to 18. Uh, I think it all depends on their friends as well, who they hang about with. Um, both of them were different. so You had no problems with alcohol with your children? No, no. Well, I do wish the um, the lady um, a lot of luck, Justin, the one that said that he's never going to drink, we're going to educate him. Mm, yeah, good luck on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, w- w- when he's going to school. I mean, I found it very interesting this morning because we've got two types there. We've got the new parents that are saying, absolutely no chance. My child's going to be 18 when they are legal to drink and legal to go into a pub. That's when they're going to be tasting alcohol. But the old school there, the people that had their children a few years ago, were saying, well, a bit like myself, that, that we did introduce our children to alcohol at a younger age, the same sort of age as me, 10 or 11 years old, I've never had a problem because some people, and I've seen this myself with my friends, when they got to 18 years old they had never tasted alcohol before suddenly they're down the pub and it all went a bit wrong for them. I don't know if there is a legal age for drinking alcohol, obviously there is for buying it, but I, I think I don't think there is a legal age for drinking, is there? Well, I heard, and, and this was quite interesting, that um, I think in restaurants, somebody will back me up here, it's certainly below the age of 18. If you're going out for a meal with your family, again, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody I'm sure will phone up and tell me that, that I'm right or I'm wrong, but I think it's something like 16. If you're going yeah. into a restaurant with your family, yeah. you can legally drink booze at 16, but don't quote me on that, uh, I think well, that's true. You say that, I heard that, I thought it was... So, uh, oh, wait, Four five nine four double five five double five. We needed to finish the answer because we're yeah. the BBC. We yeah. could be giving out dangerous <laughs> advice. I thought it was 14. 14. Mm. I thought that I could go into a restaurant with a 14-year-old. I have no idea why I'd be doing that. With, yeah. but, but you go into a restaurant with a 14-year-old and I could buy them uh, a glass of wine and they could drink it. I think. Could, could, there'll be someone listening who knows far more than these two idiots that whittering mm. away on the radio. Mm. 08459 four double five five double five. At what age can I buy booze for kids? Um, and shut them up. No, and uh, and they can they can legally drink it in a restaurant, please. We'll well, with these things in, we, we always look at the content, don't we? We always look at places like Italy, yeah. uh, and we think that there they are. They're introducing their children to alcohol at a much younger age, and and they're not going out on the town centres and and smashing places up. I think there is no right, there is no wrong answer with this. We can only go from our personal experiences. And, uh, I mean, when did you have your first drink, Just? Ten or eleven, I would say. Maybe younger. We're not, we're not talking here about getting smashed. No. Uh, we're talking here about having the odd sip of my dad's alcohol, because I've always looked up to my dad when he was drinking beer. The odd sip, a bit like that lady said there in the piece, certainly did me no harm. Oh, I've just, rem- I've just remembered something. I remembered we um, uh, going to family parties uh, with my family that lives in South London. For some reason, there are lots of these parties in this sort of big, boozy club. Mm-hmm. And I remember being about 
about eight years old and going around doing a little bit of mind sweeping. <laughs> going around and, oh, there's a glass there. A little bit of that. Ooh, a little yeah, bit lovely. of that. Thank yeah. you very much. Don't mix those drinks. Don't mix Not eight years old. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the way, um, uh, and we will be told off for this, that we are dealing with this alcohol story very seriously, Justin. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yes, uh, this is the BBC and we're talking about alcohol. Yeah, it's very dangerous. <laughs> Travel news now. Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Disruption for First Capital Connect on the trains between Finsbury Park and Moorgate. They've got a fault, so some services are going into King's Cross, missing all stations between Finsbury Park and Moorgate. Others will terminate and start at Finsbury Park. On the road, still busy on the A1 at St Neots. From Eaton Soken and St Neots through to the Black Cat Roundabout, you'll find queues. A1M slow from Letchworth to Stevenage Junction 9 to 7. And the A1, once you get down to London, Boreham Wood is very busy. Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. It's been a very slow morning for the M1 today. Long delays still from Junction 13 at Bedford to 9 for the A5 at Redbourne, taking you about 40 minutes to get through the queues there. As you approach the M1 on the A421 northbound through Woburn Sands, we've got heavy traffic. The A5 in Dunstable looking slow between the A505 and Lynch Hill. London-bound M40 heavy between Stoke and Church and High Wycombe. You're also going to find a bit of traffic in Aylesbury on the A41. And then as you come through Watford on the A41 down toward the M25, it's queuing. A41 four at the Park Street roundabout is slow. Clockwise M25, there are queues from London Coney to Potter's Bar through the roadwork section. Anti-clockwise is stop-start from the M1 all the way to the M4. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Just to uh, flag up at nine uh, this morning, JVS will be asking, is there anything wrong with letting children try alcohol? You can give them a call now if you want. 08459 455555. 555. Right, it's coming up to 8.47. It's Tuesday the 7th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton have launched an investigation after shots were fired at a car on Sunday night. A teenager has been charged with attempted murder after a man was hit by a car in Rickmansworth. Coming up before nine o'clock, just hours. Uh, oh, I've missed sport. I do apologise. Team Sky say the plan remains for Chris Froome to be the lead rider at the Tour de France ahead of last year's winner, Sir Bradley Wiggins. Apologise. Coming up before nine, just hours after a peace rally was held in Luton, the town suffered its 13th gun-related incident of the year. Chief Superintendent Mark Turner will be joining me on the show. What do you want to know from the police? 08459 455 555. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Another beautiful day expected across all three counties at the moment. Blue sky and sunshine may see a bit more cloud this afternoon, but it won't get in the way. And temperatures getting up to 22 Celsius. That's 72 degrees in Fahrenheit, so slightly warmer than yesterday. The change, I'm afraid, happens overnight. It's a nice end to the day, so if you want to make the most out of the sunshine, stay out until it gets dark, because that's probably the last you'll see for a while anyway. If you are heading out overnight, it turns cloudy around midnight and then towards dawn tomorrow morning, we'll start to see outbreaks of rain arrive from the southwest. Temperature-wise, down to 7 Celsius, 45 degrees in Fahrenheit, and we'll be waking up to a very different day on Wednesday. Rather cloudy, rather breezy with outbreaks of rain, but brighter in the afternoon, still breezy though in fact through Thursday very strong winds are expected we're keeping a close eye on those but temperature tomorrow not too bad just feeling cooler than it does or than it has for the last couple of days maximum tomorrow 18 Celsius 64 degrees in Fahrenheit and that's your forecast thank you very much indeed Oh, I'm going to get myself a cheesy crumpet. It tastes really cheesy and good. 
Weeknights from seven, Mark Forrest. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Let's talk to Lynn. What's your story? Is there life after the armed forces? They've got fantastic skill set. City Street is great. Fruit, veg, fruit. You're telling me the best thing about your local market. It's inexpensive, but quality products that's grown locally. How has adoption affected your family? He always says to me, she is my birth mother, but you're my mum. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Just hours after the end of a peace rally held to try and end violence in Luton, the 13th shooting of the year ended the peace of the residents of Culverhouse Road. Police sealed off the area on Sunday night after a man on a motorbike shot at a black BMW. The car driver was uninjured. Well, last Monday I spoke to the Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for Bedfordshire, Tafine Sharif. I asked her what the police are doing to tackle gun crime in Luton. Over the last six months, uh, we have had many press releases, we've had press conferences, there's been community engagement. What does a press release do? How does that lower gun crime? Um, it helps to communicate to the people um, what's actually actually happen giving given the real facts the kids shooting each other uh, and, and stabbing each other and doing all these things do, do they they're not going to be reading press releases though are they they're not going to be looking at press conferences and thinking oh hang on a second there's there's a press release put through the door let's put let's get rid of those guns lads no that was just one of my examples of course not i mean um you know the kids actually are on twitter on facebook and uh, the police have been ensuring that the message has been communicated on there also i've forgotten the twitter comment the kids are on Twitter. Hey, d- d- hashtag get rid of your guns. Well, joining me now is Chief Superintendent Mark Turner. Good morning, Chief Superintendent. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no, thank you very much for coming on. We, we appreciate it. 13th gun-related incident in Luton this year. I'm, I'm getting bored of talking about it. Why do these incidents keep happening? Well, the incidents keep happening because of what we have is a very, very small minority of hardened criminals who will use guns in furtherance of that criminality. Now, that's not a good position to be in, and uh, the police are going to do everything we can to take those people off the streets. Uh, We need various things to help us take those people off the streets. Community coming forward, giving us information, absolutely key in all of that. What exactly are you doing? You said the police are going to do everything they can. What what are you doing? Well, we're we're concentrating our resources around some of these issues. As I say, this is an issue of organised criminality. So, you know, let's be quite honest about this. There are people out there, there are certainly people out there in Luton who are going to use guns. They do have access to firearms. They are small numbers we're talking about. So we're going to concentrate those police resources on finding out everything we can about those people, tracing down and tracking down those people, being relentless and ruthless as to how we do that. What, What more can you tell us about the incident on Sunday? Uh, the incident on Sunday was, uh, I, I think you've, you've probably put the details out there, really, uh, Fountains Road, New Bedford Road, Culverhouse Road, in that area. Uh, shots fired at a BMW by a man on a motorcycle. Motorcycle made off, person ran off, and we're looking for that person at, at this time, the, the, the rider of that motorcycle. Uh, and again, we want people to say, you know, did you see that incident? Do you know who's involved in that? Because there will be people out there in the community who know what's gone on around this. Does Luton have a gang problem? Sorry? Does Luton have a gang problem? I don't think it has a gang problem any more than any other town or city of this size. And that's, it's important that we keep that in some context and in, in that perspective. When we talk about gangs, we have organised criminal gangs. So we have people who know what they're doing, how to make money out of crime. And these, these can be fairly sophisticated networks. 
Uh, and it's really, really important we get the intelligence and look to disrupt and dismantle those as much as we can. This issue that we have gangs roaming about in Luton willy-nilly, I, I simply... Well, did, in fairness, I didn't, I didn't ask that. I did ask if, we have, if Luton has a gang problem. I didn't mention roaming or, or willy-nilly at all. No, but, the, you know, it, it can be thought that Luton has a bigger issue than we really do. We have a... a, well, 13, a 13 gun incidents in a year is a big issue, isn't it? Sorry? 13 gun inc- incidents this year alone it is a very big issue. Yeah, it's, it's an issue, yes, and it's an issue that we're looking at and we're responding to quite clearly. Uh, uh, every, if we have one gun crime, that is one too many. So clearly the position we, we're in at the moment is not a position we want to be in. We've got to focus our resource and do everything that we can to, to drive down those numbers, quite clearly. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard uh, Dafine Sharif's approach to this. They're sending out press releases and speaking to the kids on Twitter. Useless, isn't it? No, I don't think it's useless, but I think what we've got to do is have a whole load of things that we can be doing. Now, clearly, communication is one of those. But on Twitter, if you, if you, hey, kids, uh, uh, get rid of your guns on Twitter. Hashtag uh, uh, no to guns. That's not going to have any effect at all, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure we actually said that. I think what Tarif was probably saying there was that what we were doing was trying to communicate with as many people as possible. And there's lots of ways we've got to go about tackling this because there's no doubt that people out there in the community will know what's going on. And if we can uh, you know, build up those relationships with the community and find out those little snippets that are out there, they can be absolutely invaluable. So it is right that we need to communicate, but there's several other things that we've got to do as well. Are you going to increase police presence in, in parts of Luton? We've been speaking to people this morning who, who are scared and are considering moving out of Luton. Are we going to see more police on the streets? Uh, you'll certainly see more police on the streets, and Luton has uh, certainly seen more police on the streets, really, um, in the last 12 months or so. We have been pretty good, actually, at driving down the amount of serious crime that occurs. That's always a strange thing to say when you're looking at 13 gun crimes, of course. So we will continue the impact, continue that high visibility. Can I, can I read you a couple of emails and texts mm, we've please, had from, from yeah. listeners? These are people who live in Luton. Uh, Ray says, the police in, in town don't do enough. On Sunday afternoon, a bank holiday weekend, where were the police? In Riddy Lane, two of them with a speed camera gun. Right time, right place, good use of resources? Karen says, the police commissioner said on Three Counties Radio, we don't have a gang problem in Luton, we're not London or Birmingham. Now will the police admit there is a big problem in the town? There was a peace march in the town. The residents are saying there are problems, so the police need to listen to what they're saying. Um, And uh, Pat says on the text, on gun crime we have Ollie Martins doing nothing but a PR job. A peace march that lacked the appetite and the slogan Luton in Harmony all but useless as a stunt. Where are the police in all of this? What are they doing? We want action. We want it now. Get your officers off their backsides and do something like proper policing. Have they heard of nil tolerance? People are angry and, and they're upset, aren't they? Yeah, people are angry and upset, and I can, I can see that. You know, what I would try and reassure them, if people will listen to what I'm saying around this, is that we are active, we are constantly uh, acting off intelligence, and it has to be intelligence and evidence, and we are constantly making arrests, we are carrying out warrants, we're going into people's houses where we get that information to be able to do that. So we are on the front foot about this, I can assure you of that. So I've said before, if we have one gun crime, it's one too many, and I can see how people can react to that. But there must be a sense of proportion put into all of this, and people must come forward and help us do that. 
we're going to continue to be proactive on the front foot against this small number of criminals who are causing havoc for people. We understand that. How about getting a bit tougher, Superintendent? How, how about roadblocks? How about random searching of cars in the boots, under the seats, in the glove compartments? How about stopping and searching? I, I, even if you find nothing, surely it would send a message out to the criminals and also a message to, to the residents who are scared, wouldn't it? Uh, well, talk about sending a message. What we do, it always has to be intelligence-led. Okay, and you'd expect the, well, you'd expect the police force to act on intelligence. Well, I, I would expect them to act on intelligence. I'd also expect them to, after th- the 13th shooting uh, in, in the, the fifth month of the year, to, to be out on the street uh, at least showing people that they're doing stuff. Well, I think we are out in the street showing people. People aren't seeing you, though, Mark. presence around that. Yes, we have. I can assure you of that. Our listeners, we aren't, we've, in- our listeners aren't seeing you, Mark. They're seeing you do, do speed cameras on, on bank holidays. Well, they might see one person doing a speed camera, and I don't know the details of that one because you've only just told me about that. They will also see a much, much more visibility. They'll see much, much more visibility in Luton. They will see proactivity. When you talk about road checks and zero tolerance and terms like that, there is also 200,000 people in the community of Luton who are law-abiding, who wouldn't necessarily expect to be pulled over by the police without any good intelligence or any good reason to be called. I over. wouldn't care. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. If I lived in Luton, I don't. If I lived in Luton and there'd been that many gun crimes, I wouldn't mind if you searched my boot. And I, I, I wouldn't like it. I'd be a bit grumpy, but I'd put up with it. Uh, well, I think you've just said there that you wouldn't like it. I'd be grumpy. grumpy I'd be grumpy. If it stops, I, I, a, kid, I, I, if it stops a kid getting shot, Mark, I, I, I don't mind being grumpy. Listen, we're running out of time. Very quickly, how likely is it we'll be talking about another gun-related incident next week? What, what are you going to do if there is one? Well, we're going to continue with the approach we've got, and that's intelligence-led, going on the front foot and going after this very small minority of people who are causing us the issue. And, and tweeting about it. Well... I, I guess we will be tweeting, but there'll be loads of other things we'll be doing as well. I can assure you of that. OK, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. That was Chief Superintendent Mark Turner. I don't know if you are happy with those responses. We'll certainly be talking... Well, I'm not in tomorrow, to be honest, but I'm sure you'll be talking about it with whoever is filling in for me. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still a bit of disruption for First Capital Connect between Finsbury Park and Moorgate because of the earlier train fault. They've got all the lines open, but some trains may still divert to King's Cross. Southbound A1 at St Neots queuing. It's slow from St Neots through to the Black Cat roundabout. The M1 has been really busy this morning and there are still long delays from Junction 13 at Bedford to 9 at Redbourne. It's slightly more free-flowing than it was. It's only taking about 25 minutes to get through now. But once you get beyond there, if you're heading further down the M1, slow from Bricketwood to Watford, Junction 6 to 5. A404 at High Wycombe, there's a bit of a queue at the M40's Junction 4. And it's been slow on the M40 this morning from Stoke and Church to High Wycombe, so it's not a surprise. Anti-clockwise M25, stop-start from the M1 to the M4 and the clockwise carriageway is looking slow as you head from Junction 22 at London Coney onwards into the roadwork section through toward Potter's Bar. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, that's it. I'm not in tomorrow. Someone excellent will be. I'll be back on Thursday. Before I go... Oh, I'm going to give myself a cheesy crumpet. It tastes really cheesy and good. Thank you. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. You speak for us all, Justin. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday. And on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, is there anything wrong with letting children try alcohol? A Hertfordshire 